everybody's coming on. I, I really felt like I had done something wrong at seven o'clock. I, I did not know what was happening. Oh, you yeah, never remember if we meet on the hour or on the half hour. I only knew because Jason messaged at 8.30 and said, an hour from now. That was very helpful. <laughs> it was <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Jason. You're a true friend. I, I literally love, and I love and cherish to, you. I literally had to look through old texts to figure out if it was seven or seven thirty. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Hey, Jason. Yo. What do you remember about our concert trips that we took in like 2013 when I got free tickets from the radio? Uh, I remember Portugal the Man and enjoying that. Um, I remember the drunk girl. <laughs> um, what if the drunk girl fell on you? Is that what happened? Yeah, like she stumbled into me or some something and like and fell on the ground or something. I don't. She was pretty. She was pretty. I thought. Yeah. I think I picked her up. Wasted. And moved her to did. a staircase and sat her down and then walked away so she could get away from us. And I got mean looks from everyone around like I was responsible for her or knew her or whatever. I'm like, it's not, it's not me. I love it. Oh, no. Am I frozen or is Jason frozen? Jason's frozen. That's a maniacal grin that Jason has right there. Take the screenshot right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Except Carrie's not here, but. Yeah, or Rachel. Still need to grab that. <laughs> oh, no. And Jessica's like looking straight down. Oh, well. I'm busy. All right. Jessica is the host now. Just told me I'm the host now. Ooh. Congratulations. Movie club, Emma with a period, put a new folder in. Guys, this, we have so many episodes going on right now. It's getting this out of control. Like real friendship to keep going this long. That's right. Friendship is now measured in podcast episodes. <laughs> yep. That's uh, right. Evidently, my internet cut out or something. Movie club, Emma, save. It's okay. I have it uh, screen captured for eternity on your maniacal grin, Jason. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Your screen was frozen and you had like this evil grin on your face. Yeah, really the best look on your face. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see going back to the concert though yeah was it, was it crystal castles that opened for uh i don't know i have no idea i think that was the name that just popped into my head for portugal um, the man portugal the man and then and then we went to that other concert which was kind of they were like poppy they sucked and young, young the giant young the was that <laughs> and uh and I just remember feeling super out of place because there's just a bunch of like 14 year old girls and kids and 
like a whole parent section mm-hmm. it was it was weird there's a weird roped know. off adult section over on the side and we were with the kids for some <laughs> yeah. reason because the but, adults i think they got in for like cheap or whatever because they're just there as chaperones and we got in because you kept you listened to the radio for some reason and you get free tickets all the time awesome. do you still do that no well in I, I never get through. I've called maybe like two or three times since I've been in Vegas and I've never gotten one anything. You you knew the system in Utah. Did I win something, Rachel? Yeah, we went to that um, show, the Jukebox Christmas. That's right. In 2016, I went to a show called the Jukebox. Musical Jukebox? I don't know. So they were... A 2000s Australian boy band that they still play in Vegas. <clears throat> they had a sh- they had a Christmas show in Vegas, and I won tickets to that. And I went. Thank you, Rachel. I forgot all about it. Mm-hmm. Rachel's going to be sewing during this episode. Is Carrie on? Where's Carrie, Sean? Where's Carrie? I, I was just about to. I think her. she's wrangling children right now, so she'll be on in a little bit. Hey, uh, Chad, could you start listening to some Utah radio stations and win some tickets and then come on up and we'll we'll go to crappy concerts together again? Oh, that was a dream come true. Okay. We, me and Rachel went to a ballet in Utah from the radio. That was really good, actually. It was like the Ballet West. Ballet West is legit. Much better than the East. Yeah, East Ballet... Get out of here. South Central? No way. <laughs> I can't speak to those ones. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, welcome, everyone, to another edition of Movie Club. This is our 29th episode. Our last episode was From Russia with Love. It has four plays. The one before that was Three Identical Strangers as Three Plays. <laughs> and the one before that was a double feature. That was when we watched two movies. Can you like lock the episode for Three Identical Strangers so it never gets more than three plays? Yes, I will do that. <laughs> um, and this week's episode is... oh. We're not going to get into it. We've got to do some banter and questions first, right? The banter and questions is what scary movies did Carrie watch? So we'll have to return to that one. Um, Jason's got a blurry background, but we can still see an aquarium and maybe oh, have a baby. There's been progress. Today. There's been progress on the aquarium. We can talk about that. What? See this? giant glass box it's full of water right now what is okay let me make my screen bigger what are we talking about a giant glass. glass this thing it's an aquarium yeah yeah um i built this stand i'm pretty proud of that with and, the doors and the crown molding yep uh I, I we tried to paint it and make it all pretty that way that failed uh so we ended up paying somebody to do that part but i built <laughs> the actual wood part 
Um, but I have a giant glass box of water back there, so that's fun. Are you going to get a reptile? Uh, no, water. So fish. Yeah, but what about reptile? Fish. But you're you have a channel. Reptiles are over. Clint's it's, fish now. It, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to do Jason's fish. Clint can do his own thing. I'm doing Jason's fish. But you're one third of the, the team. Or is it a fourth? Is Michelle? What is, what's the, uh, the split on your channel? One third. Love it. What kind of fish are you going to put in there? Um, that is a great question. Uh, the ones I'm leaning towards right now are... are coolie loaches and hill stream loaches and um some cool tetras there's a scarlet baddis sorry i'm a lot of fun fish i'm excited that's great my my um eight we're giving my eight-year-old a bearded dragon for christmas so we're gonna have our first reptile and we've done we're gonna We've done a few right. episodes on this. You should watch. <laughs> My we, eight-year-old we may, nephew is on his third bearded dragon right now. So we may just, be taking over one from some friends that's already like potty trained and stuff. So nice. Uh, maybe good. I don't know if it was a wild bearded dragon. But in Australia, when my brother was there, they had a wild lizard that would come and they would feed it and then they were able to catch it. And they had it for like three years. Wow. I'm not like, I'm not actually thrilled about it. I prefer mammals that I can feel some warmth and affection for, but um, uh, I know he'll be thrilled about it. Oh, I took a picture of something that we got in the mail you want to see passports seven passports where you, where are you going we're going to leeds Fun. Do you get, when are you going on this trip again or is it still kind of in it's in may we're waiting for the credit card to come in and then we have to spend a bunch of money and what then we're going to buy the tickets <clears throat> Oh, it's like a city. No, it's like a Chase uh, British Airways maybe card. Okay. We're going to fly into Manchester, get a rental van, and drive two hours or an hour and a half over to... What's it called, Rachel? It's not Leeds. Harrogate. Harrogate. It's above Leeds. North. Terry's mission was to lead, so I feel like we have to pause the conversation and wait for her to join. I was I'm not I can't ask the question I was gonna ask. Rachel works for a Bulgarian baker, and for their Christmas party, she's going to a Bulgarian restaurant with the Bulgarians. That sounds amazing. Yeah, what should I order, Anthony? And I'm not invited. Spouses are, and families aren't invited. So no. the pronunciation in Bulgarian is moussaka, but like it's moussaka, which is a Greek dish. If they have moussaka, you should get that. Or you can get like stuffed peppers. Those are also very good. Um, 
those were kind of the things I ate the most that were traditional. Otherwise, it was like street food and stuff. But those are the kind of things they might have at a. Hey guys, get out of here and close the door. What is mustaka? It's kind of like at least the Bulgarian version of it, and I don't know if they make it the Bulgarian way. Um, it felt similar to lasagna, but mm. if instead if instead of like noodles, you had like potatoes. So it was like a la layers of like potatoes and meat and cheese. And there's probably egg as part of that, but you know, it's not that it would, yeah, just like layered potatoes, meat, cheese. At least the kind that we always had was really, really good. It was my favorite thing to eat. Did you eat a lot of banitas? Yeah, had a lot of banitsa, um, which is, I, it's an unusual dish, dish because it's usually like savory. You just eat it with Bulgarian feta most of the time, but like, which is not like very breakfasty feeling to an American palate. Um, but there were occasionally sweet ones that we could find them? and we'd always get the sweet ones if we could manage it. Love it. I could go for some breakfast feta. <laughs> the spinach and feta and egg. Amazing. Sounds awesome. Flaky pastries and oh Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. But um Paul I was on a podcast that I listened to. What kind of pre-show chatter does Paul normally say? I can't remember your segment, Paul. Mm. I I don't know what I usually say, but I, <laughs> I have something to say this time, which was yes. All of us uh, during Thanksgiving break got COVID from a funeral that we attended just a few days before Thanksgiving break. Super spreader. Yep. So we were vaxxed and all doubled up and tripled up and all of that stuff. And it didn't matter because my wife's aunt and uncle went on a cruise and got COVID. And then we waited extra days to have the funeral, except they were playing fast and loose with COVID and they gave it to everybody and we got it. And, uh, my in-laws and their kids got it. It was the worst. <laughs> yeah. So we were just all shivering and um, our, our Thanksgiving feast was like tacos that nobody could taste. And then, um, and we ate turkey that nobody could taste like a few days later and stuff. So um, that's my, my story a little bit. Do you have your taste back? Yeah, uh, yes, um, and I'm past my 10-day window or whatever, so I'm um, back teaching and hanging out with people, but it it knocked us for a loop, and we got it when it wasn't cool anymore, which is a little disappointing, yeah. like, you know, like, we didn't really have a, a chance to give everybody play-by-play -play on Instagram and let them know yeah. what kind and of... You 
that they had. We didn't, nobody felt bad for us. Or that you didn't we get were, the sympathy sympathy card that you could have pulled like last no year. No sympathy card. No like, hey, you're just like Tom Hanks, and we respect you equally because of the interesting disease you had. And instead, it was just like, dude you and everybody else like suck it up so. and some boomers went on a cruise and gave it to the whole family yeah it was, <laughs> it was like multiple stereotypes on top of stereotypes happening so um just to make it political as i think is really important i think that's kind of the nature of this podcast just a very yeah. political space um so yeah we're throwing dirt a little bit so this grandma right before she passed away probably six weeks before she passed away she had a pretty one-sidedly heated conversation where i was supposed to be the other side of it and she was like trying to convince me um that god like votes a certain like to a certain end of america's political spectrum i was like oh that's so interesting and then um so then at her proper funeral there were like photos of her on a table like indicating uh the person that she voted for in some of the most recent presidential elections and stuff and then um some of those photos got like turned down like the pictures were like put face down like at like at the wake or whatever <laughs> like the shade i know i know so like like the person is dead and is in the room this is this is gallows humor here it goes the person is dead and is in the room and there are mm -hmm. pictures of this person all over the place from when they were alive and then a handful of them have been put person face down right before that person goes into the proper ground and that is a real story too so wow yep so not your grandma just a grandma yeah it's my wife's uh maternal <clears throat> grandmother So there wow. you go. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Which I think is mostly, I, now that you've asked, I think that's how I usually like get things started with the podcast, just talking about my most recent funeral. So do you, do you go asleep. to a lot of funerals. Get into a funeral in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could start mine by reading my mom's most recent Facebook post if you want me to. Do it. Oh, this is a Facebook post critique podcast now. Yeah, ready for it? What if she's all three of the past views or whatever, though? What if this is her way of connecting with you and suddenly you're going to find out in the worst way? Well, she'll start posting less on Facebook, probably. That's right. Roll this is those dice. Roll those dice. All right, here, we, here it goes, guys. Ready for it? Wouldn't it be okay? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful if okay here it goes wouldn't it be wonderful if politicians could say good things about themselves and nothing negative about their opponents mike lee has my vote this time that was like very close to a haiku that was like so <laughs> close to a haiku <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's kind of, the best part about that is 
all the previous posts have been about Sleepy Joe and about how horrible Joe Biden is. And then all of a sudden it's like, wouldn't it be nice if everyone was just nice? <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> For what it's worth, she would have done really well at the funeral I attended a few years. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of friends, bosom yeah, pals. Amongst friends. <laughs> well, and if I understand Connie's funeral behavior, she could have gone home with a pillow too, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, did was that brought up on this podcast or is that like an inside joke? I I remember this story. I remember this story. Yeah, Jason, you don't know it? No idea. No idea. Oh, but I miss Connie dearly, and I'm upset that you're sullying her name by using her own words. (laughs) Connie makes the best cinnamon rolls, you guys. Rachel's really absorbing the spirit of Connie's post. <laughs> How is the relationship between mother and daughter-in-law at the moment? I don't think Rachel's been there since Thanksgiving 2020. Right? The last two times I went up to Utah, I went up by myself and took the kids up with me. That might yeah. tell you something, right? <laughs> it's fine. We went to Hawaii in April. <laughs> Yeah, that was a real shady, yeah. I don't know. You can answer for yourself, Rachel. I was, you know what? I work at farmer's markets and I'm always seeing stuff that remind me of Connie. What's Connie like? What is she like? And so I'm just, I buy her stuff all the time. And that's our relationship. You go. Good, right? Sounds very nice. <laughs> very nice. Um, good topic, Paul. I love Paul's funeral section <laughs> and COVID stories. Oh, Sean, have you picked out what song you're making this season? Yes, I have made some poor choices. Um, <laughs> no, I I recorded. Um, so okay, so I first of all, I'm very um, insecure about my singing voice. And I've had really bad allergies and been a little bit sick. So I thought, well, of course, I should record the Beach Boys Christmas song. That's like all vocals. So I finished I finished recording that it turned out better than I expected, but I wasn't expecting a lot. But I've got um, Phoebe, my 12 year old got an art tablet with a stylus for Christmas Uh last year. So she's animating a video of the song. And that I'm a lot more excited about. So hopefully that gets done in time for Christmas. I've got my playlist. That's very exciting, Sean. And I've got my playlist and I've been practicing my three songs, but I haven't started recording yet. But once I start, it's going to be like really fast to do since it's not going to be too hard. Are you going to tell us what songs or do we have to wait? Oh, I'll I'll tell you. I'm doing the O Tannenbaum from Charlie Brown Christmas. The jazzy version. I'm doing What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas from uh, Christmas Among the Stars Christmas album from 1980. Um, and I'm, get, I'm doing the Simon and Garfunkel Go Tell It on the Mountain. 
That's a good one. I really like that one. I did that one so I can do my own harmonies. So the theme is a piano, a guitar, and then a harmony or acapella. I don't think anything's going to beat last year's where Rachel and Lawrence sang backup vocals on Michael W. Smith's Christmas time. You're going to be like almost at a full album's worth of Christmas songs, huh? Yeah, this is volume four and I do three each time. So I'm going to be at 12. That's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie, I got Krampus from the library as a DVD. Should I I watch it? Yes, you should. Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. (laughs) I feel like it's a good um, repeatable movie like the first well i've only seen it once actually but i've been meaning to watch it again but the ending not to spoil it for you but the ending it's kind of like what but then it makes you want to rewatch it so okay i'm excited (laughs) oh anything else you've been watching carrie uh yes um I saw Barbarian again with my sister. So we went, we went to Florida. I don't know if Sean said for Thanksgiving. Is that and twice so in the sister, theater? No, no. Okay. The, the second time we watched it on HBO Max. Okay. Um, and when I get together with my sister, we usually either veg or do word puzzles and watch horror films together. And so we watched Barbarian. We watched uh, Resurrection with Tim Roth and... Um, Rebecca Hall and it was great and we watched some like the Spanish testimonial like documentary true story thing on Netflix but we didn't get too far into like maybe the first episode and um didn't you guys see one in the movie theater yes we watched uh pray for the devil in the theater and it was not great (laughs) It's with an E, not an A, right? Yes. So yes. like the devil is hunting. That was probably the best the part prey. of the movie. Was the <laughs> in the title. I wanted to like it. Like there were parts in it that were commendable. Yeah, um, they can't, you can't like them all. So it's fine. No. <laughs> we watched a few others, but I've actually been mostly watching the great pottery throwdown. Okay, I was confused where that was going to go. <laughs> and uh, what was it that we watched with my family a lot? It was uh, would I lie? Would to I you? lie to you? Yeah, that British. So just we've just been watching YouTube clips of that with my family. So that's what we were mostly doing the past week. Those two shows. So love it. Very inspiring for my own ceramic creative endeavors. So yeah. All right, what are we missing from the group on the pre-movie chatter? Jessica, you do TV shows summaries, right? Sure. What have you been watching? Uh, We just finished Andor, and it actually got good. It got really good. Yeah, like 12 thumbs up. Maybe the best Star Wars content ever made by the end. Best Star Wars. 
What about um, what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? Because is that like number two on Star Wars content? Yeah, it's like one and a half. There's also a song called Bells, 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 and that's really good. Everyone should like, listen to that album. Disneyland recently, they've made up a Star Wars themed holiday, a Star Wars holiday called Life Day or something. And yeah, so instead of selling Christmas merch in Star Wars land, they're selling Life Day merch. <clears throat> It was very confusing. We should watch the Life Day special for Movie Club one of these years. Life Day is a Wookiee holiday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's like the Wookiees all wear red robes, so all the pictures have Wookiees dressed up. It's a TV special. It's on YouTube. It's like a See, this hour and was a half. New. I had to like look it up while we were there because I was like, wow, this is everywhere. I have no idea what it is. So Yeah, it's making a comeback. Clearly not like deep enough in, in Star Wars. But we've also been watching this show called Peripheral on Prime, which is really good. Is it? I, it's on my list. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it at first. <clears throat> Have any of you ever read any books by William Gibson? Yeah, it's based on a William Gibson book that I'd never heard of. He is a sci-fi author. I guess I would call it maybe cyberpunk of what he writes but he coined the term cyberspace and has just been writing sci-fi books for 40 years um it's really good bachelor in paradise just wrapped up it was fine that's it oh i just started watching a new horror show on netflix carrie called 1899 oh that's on my list too so watch no, that's good? a that's a great one with uh thomas have you watched it already? It just came out. Oh, no, I'm thinking of 1922. No, I haven't seen. It's like about a Titanic like ship, like there's a ship that disappeared and this other ship is crossing and they get a signal from the missing ship like four months after it went missing. Have you ever seen the Sam Neill movie from the 90s called Event Horizon? That's what it reminded me of. The trailers reminded me of that movie. I think I have seen that, but is this a sorry say the title one more time is that this is like 99 yeah this is the pe by the people that made dark um, oh is it yeah it's definitely a foreign language situation the dubbing is not great but it's keeping me occupied while i work right now so that's exciting that's all love it and good the world work good, good work jessica anybody else of the group have anything to say jason i don't think we focused too much on clint's reptiles <clears throat> things are going good and sean i think yeah what's up with sean we, we have to finish talking about your vacation now that carrie's here because i stopped you before oh yeah flying into manchester getting a rental van in manchester driving up through leeds and then going up to Harrogate. And I'm going to have to watch YouTube videos of like driving on the left side. Get your <laughs> mind, get your mind ready for it because I'm very nervous about this whole prospect. This is what I did to myself the whole time I was driving in Scotland. Right turns are wide, left turns are narrow. Right wide, left narrow. And I never had a problem. Okay. So do but did you get on like freeways through like the Manchester We went on airport? We were driving around Edinburgh. We were driving around Glasgow, the airports. We were in rural places. We were all over the place. Were you driving a gigantic van? 
That's what you're doing, right, Chad? There are a million an SUV. It was not like a gigantic van. Okay. It was like a mid-size SUV. So it wasn't quite as terrifying as it'll be for you, Chad, but. That's gonna be so I, I think once you get started, it'll be fine. But I mean, I've been home 16 years now. And if I pull onto the road, not always, but very occasionally I'll pull onto the road, like back up and get into the road. And it's like, shoot, what side do I need to be on? Oh no. <laughs> but like I'm left-handed anyway. So like, it feels more right for me to be on the left side of the road. So I also have that. Yeah. Like, and then if you're against... driving on the right, if you're the driver's side is the right side. And so that will like automatically put you in that different headspace. That's not like normal. I'm um... thinking. One would assume. And then you just, I hope it's like a, not a manual with the clutch on the, with the left hand. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I learned how to drive this, learned how to drive the stick on my mission <laughs> and I didn't last very long. And my uh, zone leader pulled some strings to get me back into a automatic. So. Love it that kind of and I got in a car accident and knocked the side view mirror off of a car because I thought I was way over further into the road than I thought I was so oh yeah that's a good point it wasn't fun so yeah so that's gonna Don't. be in May late May after school gets out and tickets so what are, are you be... doing over there are you just sightseeing no Rachel's brother lives in Harrogate he works oh, at the, okay. that um, military base there with all the mm -hmm. satellites I would suggest to go as many to as many Indian restaurants as you could there. Ooh. Like what Mexican restaurants are to here, Indian restaurants are to there. Like there's one on every corner and I'm sure they're all great. And make sure you go to Nando's too. I don't know if there's any Nando's in the States, but they're great too. That's like, um, that's Portuguese. Isn't chicken place. But it was like oh. starting in South Africa or something like that. I don't remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we have them here now. I've seen them. Yeah, the peri yeah. plates. Yeah, you can get like their sauces sometimes at EGB, like their peri peri sauce. It's really good. But it yes. sounds like I bet Rachel's brother would know better than me, like places to go to to visit. Oh man, those kids, they're so cute with their Australian slash English accents. And they got their little like Harry Potter blazers and sweater vests going to their private school and ridiculous. That was my favorite thing about, well, one of my favorite things about my mission is all the little kids would call me Sister Peterson. Sister. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Sean, anything else to add before we start? I don't think so. This week, did you did you tell us what movies you watched? Oh yeah, let's do that. This is called the Letterbox Review. Ready for this it? This month, I watched Edward Scissorhands two times, and I think that's all that I've watched between movie clubs. That's very funny. It's a good movie. Uh, I watched From Russia with Love, <clears throat> and then Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night Two. That was a horror movie, and it was great. Oh, actually, it wasn't. It was three stars. The Spy Who Loved Me is a James Bond, Roger Moore. That's three and a half stars. But that song is just so good. Hocus Pocus 2, 
Rachel started it and I finished it. So I saw half of it. I still gave it three and a half stars. Um, the end was good. Oh, Nando. Uh, watched The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey with the kids. Uh, three stars. I thought it was pretty good. The kids liked it. It's silly. It's a cartoon. It's very weird. Like they cut the head goblins, like weird, gross chin. And like all of a sudden the kids were like grossed out by I'm like, I don't know why it's so gory right now. It shouldn't be. That was the only weird part of it. I watched They Live, 1988 John Carpenter movie. Uh, that one was so boring in sections. But the good parts were like five stars. So I gave it three stars overall. I, I remember it, watching that like as a like eight-year-old or something just uh-huh. at a friend's house one day. It was yeah. a bizarre experience. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And then I watched Disenchanted and gave it three and a half. But it could have been a five-star if they condensed the, the first hour to 15 minutes. Evil Amy Adams. She was great. Loved oh. it. That movie was the worst. We you didn't like Evil Amy Adams? I think Evil Amy Adams was good, but she wasn't in the movie very much. No. It was mostly boring 47 the, the, minutes and I'm, it still hasn't started. I'm like, oh. The first, the first hour took so long. Oh, I, it was brutal. My kids it, wanted that for a movie night and I, oh, it was, it was so painful. I still cried at the end. It was very sad. Oh. And and Griffin Newman is a podcast host and he was the voice of Pip the squirrel, so or the chipmunk. That was a fun cat. I mean, Evil Amy Adams was great. And if anybody wants to just fast forward to the Evil Amy Adams parts and watch those, I'd say it's a good movie. Skip everything else. And then I watched Emma, period. As opposed to Emma, Emma, no punctuation. Let's get into it. Welcome to Movie Club. Welcome into our loyal listeners. That voice you hear was Anthony Garrett. <laughs> what are we like introduced names? <laughs> to put, everyone needs to put like a, a name to the voice. Jessica, you picked this movie. Oh, yeah. And I think next is uh, Carrie, right, Sean? Unless Will yep. joins. Yeah. Will Will's has always dibs top. if he joins. Will, Will has top dibs. Oh, and I got a text from Rachel Erickson saying that she was planning on it. It's in her planner, but they've been sick the last few days. And she has a very hoarse voice and coughing, sneezing, sniffles galore. You don't want to see me. You don't want to see this. So maybe next time. I think it's an excuse. Put on blast. All right, Jessica, you are up. You picked Emma. Why did you pick Emma? Then um, you, we will watch the trailer, and then you will go through the plot. I mean, the plot is mostly in the trailer, but... <laughs> I think I just picked it because I thought we would have a good discussion about it. I thought some of you might enjoy it. So also, I think it's a really 
beautiful movie. Like visually, it's really it's bright. So those are my reasons. That's it. That's it. Aren't those good reasons? Like, I want to know what you guys have to say about it. And I think it's nice to look at, like, what other reasons are there to like something? Well, there's some buns. Oh, yes. Also, I wanted to Johnny see some, Flynn. some bare Johnny bottoms. Flynn. <laughs> I don't see enough bare bottoms in my daily life. So I wanted to see it on film. Some, some 1815 period buns. Great. Uh, Jason, you want to bring up the trailer? Dearly beloved friends, we gather here in this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocent. No. Miss Bates. Any call the midwife fans? I watched half of the first season and it was too sad. Miss Bates is one of the main actors in that. Oh, is she on that? She's a comedian too, isn't she? She was on she had her own show for a while. She's... All right, walk us through, Jessica. Just the plot. Um <clears throat> yeah, whatever you Emma's, want. Emma's Emma has a really high opinion of herself and thinks that she's a master matchmaker. Takes it upon herself to interfere in her friend's life and keeps trying to make matches and it backfires. When her friend falls in love with the person that she realizes that she's in love with and along the way you meet a cast of characters. Emma's mom died when she was young and she grew up at her father's beautiful home. She has a lot of money. Um, and there's two other kind of parallel characters that also lost parents young and kind of have different paths in life. And I don't know, is that, that's a really bad summary, but it's a romantic comedy. It was wonderful. Thanks. That's like a high level summary. Let's get into it. Do you want Jessica? me to take you scene by scene? Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember. Walk us through some characters. Um, Who's Emma's best friend? Emma's best friend is someone that she meets in the movie and decides to take under her wing because her governess, who she loves dearly, is getting married to someone that Emma introduced her to. This is why she thinks she's such a great matchmaker. And we've seen 
naked in a previous movie club movie. Jumping in a pool. Is that with, him? With Mr. Beebs. Really? Yeah, he was a little Rupert brother. Graves. Rupert. Rupert. Wow. He's Freddie. And he's everything. Yeah, you want to go for a bathe? No, well, what do they say, wow. Rachel? I did not make that connection. Look at that. Butts all around you guys. Um, yeah, so she needs a project. She needs something to fill her time. And she lives with her father, who is just a hypochondriac and constantly trying to like impose illnesses on other people and just assumes that the world is out to get him. And she actually, I think, handles his anxieties pretty well. And so, yeah, she takes Harriet, who is this girl from the local school. Nobody knows who her parents are. So Emma decides she's going to pretend that her father is someone of means. Um, I don't know why, because it suits Emma's purposes and she wants to be able to like make a match between Harriet and someone who is like in a higher position in society. She tries to match him up, match her up with Mr. Elton, who is the worst clergyman I've ever seen. No, um, the worst one was in Pride and Prejudice. Well, it's like, it's just a Jane Austen theme. They're all the same clergymen, right? Okay, yeah, they're the same. It's all the same dude, like the time of man's great in the sense. I love it. Yeah, Mr. Collins. With the way that he, the way that he like unties his cape in the carriage is just like the worst. <laughs> He has a he has a certain flair. It's it's a little over the top, but it's fun to watch. Um, so she tries to kind of throw Harriet and Mr. Elton together, but then we find out at the Christmas party when Harriet's sick and Emma and Mr. Elton end up in a carriage together that all this time Elton has thought that he was paying attentions to Emma. But Emma thought that he was paying particular attentions to Harriet. And so he proposes to Emma and Emma realizes, oh crap, I've been like encouraging Harriet to throw all her girlish hopes and dreams on this idiot. And he's a really big jerk. Um, what else? Throughout all of this, Emma's kind of obsessed with her former governess's new son-in-law, who is one of the half parentless children in the story and hasn't grown up in the town where they all are, but she's always grown up hearing about him and I think probably thinks he's a very dashing character. And when they finally meet, she kind of maybe thinks she's in love with him for a little while, but then decides he'd be a better match for Harriet and so kind of tries to throw them together. And Harriet, it seems, is developing a new attachment to someone and then we find out that Harriet is attached to Mr. Knightley, who is a close friend of Emma's family. And we come to realize Emma loves him and he loves Emma and they've always loved each other and we're always meant to be together. And so when they discover their love, there's also this complication again of, oh, but Harriet's in love with you. Through all of this, Harriet had an honest upstanding farmer who wanted to marry her and she turned him down because Emma thought he wasn't good enough for her. So. Emma's just meddling and things go better when she's not involved. There's lots of quirky people along the way. The soundtrack in this movie, I think is really good. That was something I forgot to mention. I really love listening 
to the music in it. I love the music in this. It's so good, right? Like the super folksy choral pieces. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I could listen to that all day long. Yeah, um, big fan. Great costumes. This is the director's only movie, I think, that she's made. She was like a music video director and photographer. And I think a lot of that yeah. comes to yeah. And the way the scenes are composed. Um, yeah, are there any characters that I left out? Probably. Oh, Miss Bates. Bates, I didn't even talk about. Miss Bates is like- And Jane. A friend of the family and used to be, was the daughter of like the previous clergyman, probably several ago. And when Emma was born was probably a lot wealthier than she is now. So she's like respectable but very poor and everybody thinks she's kind of silly and Emma very much thinks she's very silly and sometimes gets a little sharp with her and that kind of comes to a head later in the movie but she's very sweet and pure of heart and just loves people and yeah great good job thank you what do you want to do do you want to have other people go and give their <clears throat> thoughts and you finish it up after or do you want to go first yeah no everybody everybody else can go i mean i don't really have much much to say i just want to do you have any analysis that you want to ask in your discussion um favorite scenes or or do you want to wait or do you want to hear everybody else i really that? love the gag with the screens mm -hmm. if you'll remember mr what is her dad's name bill Nye. Bill Nye, who Mr. I think Woodhouse. is, yeah, Mr. Woodhouse. I think Bill Nye is a little bit of a weird choice for Mr. Woodhouse. No, perfect. But <laughs> when he jumps down the stairs to introduce himself at the beginning of the movie. So. Um, but I still, I mean, I still love Bill Nye. I just have a hard time seeing him as that character. But because I have he's a hard a time seeing him. Well, he's, there's so many shows that he's trying to be like, a ladies man and he's always dating like a rachel vice or something like that i don't buy it and it's the worst when they try he's to nice. like pair him up and make him like a leading man he's a great character actor and i think this was like my favorite thing to see him in yeah i do i do agree with that i don't think he's <clears throat> i don't think he's like a leading man which is not to say that i don't like like him and enjoy watching him because i do think he's super talented um but he's super hypochondriac and always trying to protect himself from drafts. And at first you kind of think that the thing with the screens is just that, but then I think it pays off really well towards the end when Emma and Mr. Knightley finally get together and it becomes clear that he's kind of using the screen as a way to give them alone time, even though he doesn't know what's going on yet. I mean, he, he knows, but you don't know that he knows, I think. So that's fun. Um, Emma's just very, I mean, she's clueless to refer back to another adaptation of the story. Yeah, with um, Paul Rudd and uh, as Mr. Knightley. She's so confident. And it's like, you kind of like her, but you also hate her because she just kind of makes the people around her who love her into playthings. But she gets, she gets her comeuppance in the end. Yeah, that's enjoyable. Is this your favorite Emma adaptation? It's not actually. How many have, how many are there? I don't know. 
I will dive into that. But Anthony, what did you say? I just said she's handsome, clever, and rich. She is, yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful and too smart for her own good sometimes. What do you think about Anya Taylor-Joy? I think her eyes are really far apart. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. I also think she's an incredibly talented actress. I think she's a... I mean, I want to talk, but I think she's a little weird looking, but in an interesting way. Uh-huh. I also have not seen that much stuff with her in it yet. Like I haven't watched Queen's Gambit or any. I watched Queen's Gambit. I saw The Norseman. Oh, yeah. Or The, or the Northman. What is it called? Northman. Northman. Yep. She was in that. And she had like a Russian accent that she put on. It was okay. Um. Any other things that she's in? Split. I liked her in Split. The Witch. The Witch. Oh, yeah. That, the Witch. That's my favorite movie that she was in. She was good in that, but I don't enjoy that movie. She's I got really big eyes, and they're kind of far apart. And it, it reminds me of um, the other actress that has really big eyes. That was Emma Stone. Emma Oh, Emma Stone. She does look kind of like her. Emma Stone. Christina Ricci, did you say, Rachel? Yeah. I can see that, too. Well, Anya Taylor-Joy has, like, a triangle chin. Mm-hmm. But, her face but is Emma Stone has more of a different face, but still big eyes. Uh, a so, Jessica. She looks... I'll keep going. I was just going to... Just very quickly, a friend of mine said, half the time she looks very beautiful, and half the time she looks like an alien. Like, Yeah, just... that's really good analysis of what she looks like and I feel exactly the same way sometimes I'm like wow she's incredibly gorgeous and sometimes she just looks like a fish That's and I don't funny. mean that in a mean way it sounds mean to say that I don't I don't know I something I just something was off with her I like I my wife has big eyes I like big eyes but and she has big eyes and I'm what like, about the Tim Burton movie big eyes something feels oh that's weird uh but something <laughs> felt like off and it, it's you pointed out they're just they're just ever so further apart that it's off-putting yeah that is all well my eyes are squinty and very close together so we're like opposites that's why i didn't fall in love with you yeah, that's right well i fell <laughs> in love with you jason <laughs> and i'm going to profess my love every podcast unreciprocated I think That's this is the actual the, best segment of the podcast. <laughs> this is the point in a podcast where you need to show the picture of Jason where his screen froze. That's right. That is my background. In Jack Nicholson form. That was such a good picture. I hope you set that as your phone background for the next month. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so as far as versions of Emma, I actually think there's a 2007-ish BBC one with Romola Gary and what's his name? Carrie, do you know Johnny? It's also a Johnny. Johnny from, he was in uh, Mansfield Park. Johnny yeah. Lee Miller, right? Johnny Lee Miller, yeah. And I think for me, that's my favorite because it really... I like the way that it really delves into the parallels between Emma and then the two other like orphans in the story and kind of the way that their lives are very different. And 
it's a little more just realistic in like the way that they dress and the way that it's presented and it just feels more natural where this feels very much like a stylized yeah super stylized with and I love watching it um but it doesn't have the same payoff for me I don't think it's kind of cynical kind of satire of just yeah, how but that's, silly I mean like that's is. Jane Austen right it's, there's mm-hmm. always this undercurrent of kind of cynicism and and satire but yeah I think I like the other one because it it gets that but it also kind of gets the emotional undercurrents as well but I still enjoy this one obviously it was when we moved to Atlanta I like First of all, it was like two weeks before everything shut down, the pandemic happened and it came out that weekend. So I like landed and Sean picked me up and we went straight to the movie theater and watched Emma. Cause I was like, I'm moving to Atlanta for you. This is the one thing you can do for me is let's just go watch this movie. <laughs> I have like really to Atlanta from Seattle. <laughs> from Seattle, from like a good place. From the best place. That's right. I'm not mad about it. So I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, it's kind of like moving for, to Houston from Portland. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like moving to Houston. <laughs> Carry the things we do. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways. Love it. Awesome analysis, Jessica. Anything else before we move it along the group? The costumes are beautiful. That's all. Perfect. All right, we're going to really, go. I really want Mr. Knightley's like first like blue suit with the yellow over so I like I really want that set of clothing so good well I want Emma's yellow dress so or Harriet's um what were they Rachel they were like yellow gloves that looked like that she just came from doing dishes or whatever <laughs> all right we're gonna go Anthony then Jason Paul Sean Carrie Rachel I'm not sure why Carrie and Rachel are at the bottom of the screen, but that's how it's going to go. Um, yeah, this, I think this movie was the first at home, like it's the pandemic now. Like I'm watching this at home on demand for $20 movie that I watched. Um, and that it was really nice. Uh, to watch this at that time um, to have something that was so bright and uh, really funny and then yeah that Emma learns some tender lessons um, uh, it was really interesting watching it a second time I think I've watched it a second time probably third or fourth time now um, but uh it like that they go into the, like the greenhouse and you have like the guy carrying a lantern and I was like oh this this is a movie about a movie because like he looks like uh someone on set like holding a boomstick or something like um and because the first time I watched it I was like this a lot of the photography felt like this is if Wes Anderson made a Jane Austen uh, adaptation, but, uh, and I think that's, there's that influence, but um, I sort of saw this as its own work uh, this time. 
uh, Autumn DeWilde's photography and directing, I think, is really, really pleasant to look at. Um, it's interesting because Emma, Emma always knows how to perform exactly correctly, and she's always judging other people on their ability to perform the role that she thinks that they're able to perform or not. Um, but then Mr. Knightley's introduction is him walking um, at, and at a diagonal. And Emma, when she's shot, she's always like walking like toward the camera or in parallel, um, almost as if she's like on a page or on a screen or on a photograph. Um, and, um, and then, and then Mr. Knightley like undresses, like he immediately gets out of all of the garments, all of the character, all of the roles. Like he, um, he knows what's appropriate. Um, and he is often doing the exactly correct thing but he knows like for Emma, it's just so much about like, this is the way that it is. And for him, it's much more about like, let's use, if we are gonna use all these manners and everything, let's use them to treat people well. And, and she um, takes also, her a long time. Just to that to point remember. really quickly, you, you see her a few times when she's just like relaxing around the house and she's still fully dressed. She has her shoes on. It's like not a hair out of place. Everything is perfect. But yeah, that's a really good point. He's like stripping down and being real. Right. Well, and like even her, she's her curls. Her Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said the one time when she's warming her buns in, in front of the fire. Mm -hmm. That's the one and, time she's there being and, and she, But she has to wait right yeah, for the servant to leave the room. Um, yeah, that really stands out. I, that, I couldn't remember the scene, but that stood out that she's sort of, it's like, you just got to break character just for a second because I'm so cold. Um, uh, like her curls, like, I, I mean, I don't know what the hairstyles were at the time or whatever but they're like so perfect that they're not that they're strange right just because they're like these small because they're just so exact um uh yeah i just thought it was really fun um it was written by eleanor catton who she's a screenwriter but she's also a novelist she won the booker prize for her novel the luminaries um and so I think a lot of the clever dialogue, in addition to just being an adaptation of Jane Austen, who already has clever dialogue galore, um, it benefits from Eleanor Catton's writing. Um, some of the back and forth between Emma and Mr. Knightley, um, like, I don't remember the exact line, but him, it's just so perfect when he says something about, you use like all of your, all of your sense to like the wrong ends the way that he says it um but she had a point in that too because she's sort of talking about the weird um patriarchal structures that people like Harriet have to navigate um I I think it's just really fun and funny and I remember the first time I watched it and it still has really struck me when she makes fun of Miss Bates is just like 
it's so awful and it's like um it really is all of this stuff like coming to head um uh, and it's interesting to have just like a moment of dialogue sort of be in a lot of ways like the climactic moment of the film at least for the title character like this is the point where uh, she, you know her worst char characteristics come out for her to learn a lesson for her to be able to have the happy ending that she has um so those are some of my thoughts love it uh jason did you watch it with karen i did did karen like it i'll get to that <laughs> that's one of the sections of the podcast is me asking if karen liked it yeah <laughs> check that off the list um okay i didn't know that clueless was like a emma adaption i had no idea let's get into it so that was That's fun all. okay um um why are all <laughs> okay. period dramas or romantic comedies whatever um why are they all rich people like mm -hmm. i don't know it's yep. Oh, that bugs me. So like, that's an interesting question because a lot of Jane Austen's heroines are actually really poor. This is her only one that's like independently wealthy. But usually, yeah, it is people who are, I mean, it's never working class people, right? No, it's always it's, people who are part of like the upper echelon. <clears throat> system, but like they're the lower like, parts of the rich people. So yeah. they've got servants and horses, but not like a manor. Like the Sense and Sensibility like, Sisters or the Pride and Prejudice Sisters. Yeah. But there is a lot of period literature and movies that is about, like, I don't want to say or, lower classes, but other classes of people. And working yeah, let's classes. watch some Dickens and, adaptations. Yeah, you got to read some Thomas Hardy, man. But isn't it, isn't a lot of it like, yeah, they're poor, but but it's a story about how they married up or how they married a prince or whatever. No, Dickens like, is know. just depressing the it's whole not, way. Not Dickens. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the trope. And I think that's the idea that people have about it, but not always. Yeah. Um, like Pride and Prejudice, she definitely marries way, 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 way up financially. But it's, it's not always the case. It's about well, marrying for love. Well, and it's right. It's what that's just sort of the given right like a superhero movie like certain things happen mm -hmm. um and then what what is the writer what is jane austen or later the bronte sisters um who a lot of their characters they do come from those upper classes but really bad circumstances so the start of their stories they start really low and then they marry up um uh, what 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 do the now what do the writers do within this we know we know that's what's going to happen but what happened like what do we learn in the meantime yeah uh so i was in i, I was a little bit immediately put off by that but i got over it evidently yeah um emma period it's a lot of yeah that. and there's like spring period summer period yeah that yep. was fun uh my next comment is that it's quirky it's very quirky there's lots of little fun and that made it fun for me it was 
all the little quirks like the the dad was hilarious just just little little he was he was very quirky um <laughs> i have a comment uh a, a note of man butt and then man butt, followed by uh girl butt yeah so, side butt though yeah, yeah not not bento for butt for the, like that one. Oh, geez hey, um butts are hilarious Butts are hilarious so why was it put in then to I, so show how ridiculous these people are wearing all these clothes it strips them down like anthony was saying well, and I've seen so many scenes in these kinds of movies where there's a woman that's being dressed in these fancy clothes by her servant. But I think this is the first one where I've seen the man be subject to that. So that was kind of a, an interesting twist. Well, it's a like satire. A at, a, at a pivotal moment too, right? When the, is it Mr. Knightley? Is that the, like when love's not working out for him he's like trying to get out of his clothes and it, it just like takes too long so he's just like screw it throws what he can on the ground and then he just has to stay like all uh corseted up like on his own massive floor i thought that was actually a really really interesting scene sorry also me and rachel watched the deleted scenes on the dvd and the outtake bloopers and it does have a, sh- a scene of emma getting dressed as well and I can see why it was deleted since it was kind of redundant since Mr. Knightley was getting dressed. That's like showing the same thing. That's all. Uh, okay. Um, what I don't understand, and I think Jessica, you alluded to this, but I still don't understand why Emma is friends with Harriet. I know, I know she wants to play matchmaker and she already did it with uh, Mrs. Smith or whatever um i don't know if that's her uh but why harriet why did she pick harriet i don't understand it's not super clear and like if there's anyone who's read it before that remembers because i don't remember what the book says about it but like harriet's just a new girl at the school and like emma does charitable stuff for the school sometimes and i like i think because she has this idea in her head that harriet might possibly be of like a class that's like sort of similar to Emma's and Emma's just lost her best friend. She's just like desperate for a friend and Harriet seems like a nice person to be around. So to yeah, me, I that's why like, she was just poor. I felt like she glommed onto Harriet's how impressionable she is and she liked how much Harriet looked up to her and admired her. And so I think it really feeds into Emma's sense of you know, self-importance and wisdom. Um, so I, I think like their first meeting, you know, it, it didn't matter like how it happened or how it was arranged. It was the fact that um, Emma liked her <laughs> and so decided to keep her around because, you know, it beats her own sense. I don't remember the yeah. book. I like that. I don't remember the book, but um, I did read it a while ago, but in the other movie with Gwyneth Paltrow, she literally tells her friend that is getting married that she found somebody that she's going to, she wants to like be a, a service to the world and help somebody find another match, like the provident match that she found for her best yeah. friend. So. so it's a project best friend. Yeah. But I think like it, ter- it turns things. into a legitimate friendship by the end though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think it's clear that she cares a lot about Harriet. But- and she, 
she loses her constant companion, like when the governess gets married. And so she's like, if she doesn't have Harriet, she's just going to be hanging out with her hyper hypochondriac dad all the time. Um, and I, I don't know how it is in other adaptations, but after one of the arguments that, um, I, I that she has with Mr. Knightley about what she's trying to do for Harriet, um, at least in this film, it read almost as queer for a second, where she was like, "Like, don't worry about it. I'm going to keep Harriet for myself." Like, um, like there's just like this moment of like, like, even though she's just using it as a way to to try to win the argument, but at the same time, like, no, she she needs somebody. Selfishness there, yeah. Mask slipped a little. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Um, Jason's coming in with questions. I like it. Uh, I still have questions about <laughs> Oh, that. no. Here's some more uh, questions. Yeah, move on. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> um, so uh, Karen made a comment um, while watching it. She said something along the lines of she really liked how in this adaptation of Emma, this video, this movie adaptation, they they did a decent or tried to do a good job of doing period-esque makeup and from that point forward i noticed it and it was interesting because like she's she's i'm like what do you mean she's like well look there's no eyeliner nobody's wearing eyeliner or mascara or whatever it's just well me goth plain. wasn't wearing any makeup mm -hmm. that was I mean, weird that, that's probably because she's the, you know not of the upper echelon right right and so like that would that's normally not done you know they would normally like i'm sure in the gwyneth paltrow version they're all done up in like no modern makeup but uh i, I don't know that was a cool little aside that my wife noticed yay karen yay that's karen a great observation um the music just yeah music. let's hear it jason what do you think I thought it was weird. Okay, so it was this weird juxtaposition with How fair like, my foundation. With, yeah, with church music <laughs> uh -huh. and then like random opera music, like juxtaposed each other. And I'm like, I didn't understand. I mean, I, I get why, I mean, you can use that as a juxtaposition, but I didn't understand why they were using it the way they were using it. So I was confused. I loved it. I think there's a little bit of like, you're watching people from two different classes interact, right? You're watching like Harriet and Robert Martin who are clearly like working class farming people and Emma's class who don't work and haven't worked for generations. And so that's where you kind of get the two things. You have the folk songs of the one group, but- I didn't really feel like they were used, like the timing was- You were wrong. I, it's quirky, like you said. It's working. It's not working. I no, I said, I said it's quirky. Oh, quirky. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, like I agree. I think the placement is a little weird, but I love those songs so much. Like I love listening to those versions of them that I didn't even care, but I think that's yeah. a fair observation. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Is that how you say it? Anya? Um, I think part of it's because she's blonde. I don't like, and you like, so it, it throws 
also it throws me off because I, I think she's like in the stuff that I've seen her dark hair it threw me off that she's this blonde in in this movie that threw me off as well including her far away eyes um her far away eyes. <laughs> but I didn't I think I think they were am I supposed to like Emma in the like the first no she's a brat wow. because I hated her I'm sorry but she's a bitch she's <laughs> like there she are like no things about her problems. that are likable but she's yeah she's like super proud she thinks she's way better than everyone else she loves toying with other people's lives like who was it that pointed out was it Rachel and she makes fun of Miss Bates who is the yeah, number she makes one fun star of, of the she's show like, the, yeah she's just and robert martin human. those two people are my favorite yeah so wait so no before, you're not supposed to like her before we leave that because this was one of my thoughts too um I, I was looking at other people's comments online and stuff and a lot of people were saying that in other adaptations she comes off as much more well-meaning um like in clueless i can kind of see that like i don't really like her but i have a lot more sympathy for her. and in this she was just awful um and I also haven't read the book, obviously, but a lot of people were saying in the book, it's a lot easier to be sympathetic towards her because it's from her point of view. But as soon as you take the camera and you're looking at her from the outside, she just seems like a terrible person. So I, I just, I don't know. Those are things that I read as I was trying to resolve that issue I had with the movie. And I'm curious about people that have more exposure to Emma's. In the book, that. too, and in some versions, you get more of her backstory that kind of explains why she is the way that she is, so you understand a little bit more, right? Like, it still doesn't make it okay that she acts the way that she does, but it softens it a little bit. Um, I'm not mad about the way that she's characterized in this. I think it still makes sense, but she's she's definitely not my favorite. And that scene where Miss Bates comes to talk to her at the carriage, and she's just like, pushes the window out like she's so annoyed she can't even expend like the slightest bit of energy to to talk to her it's like hilarious but so mean I can't imagine yeah. treating someone like that I don't know if that was a directing choice or a writer choice or an actor choice but whoever like originally did it it's like there more actions in movies should show something like deliberate about a character and um that's just like a really good example i like that one that was good um okay uh uh i noticed well okay um my wife mentioned that she liked this she liked this at a well a lot of these period dramas are darker lighting because they try to do like candlelight or whatever she liked this one because it was really bright and you didn't it it, it, it you, and and the focus and stuff um i thought that was fun but the one scene that that caught me that i liked the most for whatever reason uh was the hallway scene in when they're at the uh the dance the the ball and the two characters are next to each other The lighting struck me for whatever reason. I really enjoyed it. Um, they're in the doorway and it's dark. You mean? Yes. Yes. And they and Knightley finally asked her to dance or whatever. Yep. I liked the lighting of that scene and how they were that, silhouetted a little bit. That dance scene took like twenty minutes, and I loved it. <laughs> so much dancing. 
sorry, I think my internet cut out. So sorry about that. Um, yeah, I think we, we pieced it together. Okay. Uh, my wife pointed out that that ball scene was like an all-nighter party. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, and she's like, evidently that's what they did back in the day. They just threw all-nighters where they danced yeah. all night, and that yeah. that gave that made sense from was it Miss Mr. Smith the main the guy that was throwing the ball um Churchill's dad uh Mr. West how how he's like everybody's asleep I'm like all right but but then like it's probably like four o'clock in the morning yeah Yeah. they probably fell asleep like literally you would go like eat your dinner at home probably or maybe you'd go to a dinner party and then the ball or dance or whatever might not start until nine ten eleven and you stay forever and then they might serve a breakfast in the morning for the people that are left yeah this is a ridiculous way to live your life by the way (laughs) and karen was saying like sometimes people would just like they'd they'd stay at the house and then they'd fall they'd go upstairs and fall asleep in the the room and then come back down and party i don't know why you're confused i think we all did the same freshman year and did that many times yeah I don't know what you're talking about. I personally would never. Have done many, that. many a ball have I done that. Many a ball have I went outside <laughs> and it was da- uh, dawn, and then I would went ran to Emma's house. I'm pretty sure that was like ninety percent of my nights I was awake <laughs> dancing. Okay, keep on going, uh, Jason. Let's get through it. Okay, who is a, like a super rich modern person? Name somebody. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Okay. Elon Musk. Let's go with the female as well. Elon Musk. And mm. uh, Oprah. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, uh, uh, I like Kardashian. I'm gonna go with Kardashian. Oh, we're playing okay. a game here. No, you have to go with Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Oprah was said first. You have to do Oprah. Okay, okay, whatever. Do you think they dress themselves? Yeah. And why was that a thing back in the day? No, if they're go- if if famous people are going out, they are not dressing themselves. That's true. They like, go to like true. the, the gala ball. Kardashian in a latex Balenciaga like. She is not dressing takes, herself. Like, six people to get you think that. Oprah's putting on a gown by herself? If she if she's being seen publicly, there's no way she's dressing herself. Public, do you think, like, do you think when reg- Scar Joe goes onto the but, like, red carpet? The thing she's that's putting, different now, herself? Jason, is our clothes are so much easier to put on. They're designed to be able to put on by themselves. Clothes back then where you have like five layers and the corset fastens in the back and the dress okay. needs to be laced up in the back and the dude has a jacket yeah. and you need shirt to watch and like the this cravat scene. that he can't tie himself and the breeches and the boots. The boots, you need somebody to pull off of them like the kinds of clothes that they're wearing. You I mean, the cannot. cod piece alone, I get. Yeah, yeah exactly. The David you Bowie cod piece <laughs> from Labyrinth. And I would bet that even like day to day, rich people now, they're probably putting their own clothes on their body, but they're probably not buying their own clothes. There's somebody else that's choosing what they should wear, or at least yeah. giving them choices. You and know, they're not maintaining their own clothes and like mm-hmm. hanging them up in the closet, right? Like surely Oprah has someone who is like in charge of her work. So take that, Jason. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw uh, I, she was mad that like avocados cost so much. So she bought an avocado orchard so she would never have to pay for avocados. So I'm getting <laughs> awesome. clothes on. Who is this? Oprah. Wow. 
I like it. I like it too. <laughs> I would love to grow avocados, actually. I mean, let's, let's do, do it, it, Jason. Let's you do, can it. do it. I can't. You I can't. have to live, yeah, in a very specific yeah. place in the world. You can almost do it in Houston. If you had a greenhouse, you could yeah. definitely do it. I'd have to have a greenhouse with a heater and, and all sorts of stuff over here. Yeah. And a big one. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a weird choice, but I, I kind of actually enjoyed it. The, uh, the, <laughs> the moment where uh, Knightley essentially perfect, it asks her to marry him, which yeah. is evidently a thing on, on the spur of the moment Love where it. she has essentially a brain aneurysm slash nosebleed. <laughs> that was an interesting and weird choice. It's so weird, right? I like, loved it. Can't compute. <laughs> I was cross-eyed. read about that moment when this first came out and apparently it was something that happened spontaneously. Yeah, her we saw nose? it on the delete. It's on the nosebleeds randomly. I think it. I think it was her, and so they were like, "Let's just leave it in." It's like, no, it's, it's on the weird. it's on the bloopers. You can watch the whole like bleeding up too, and it's pretty really? crazy. Yeah, what? That's Still crazy. Weird, but yeah. I I guess the director gets nosebleeds all the time, That's so she so wrote it into the script, and they moved it to the that scene. It was somewhere else originally. I forget. So weird. <laughs> I like it. Nosebleeds uh, are often like put into like stories as like a loss of innocence thing because like the it's kind of like a it's a more chaste version of like the hymen breaking like a, like the blood and stuff. Oh wow! Wow! Too too much information, Anthony. <laughs> well, isn't there like a an anime thing too where they show like a nosebleed as? you know, like when someone gets embarrassed because their crush is in the room or something and they get a nose, like there's, there's a precedence for it. A trope. Yeah. And it probably means, you know, the same thing that Anthony was saying, but yeah, it's definitely another cultural thing. I Googled it. It's true, Carrie, you're right. This is an anime thing. Interesting uh okay uh i don't understand so at the end jason you're just coming every every comment is a question i I, I don't understand this is this is yes you're absolutely right uh so they're talking uh about their future plans assuming they get married or whatever love it Uh, um on the couch on the couch with Mm -hmm. this screen for privacy yeah um wait okay hold on let's talk about that real quick the screen for privacy i get that he did it at the end yeah for the privacy i didn't catch that he was doing it for them for their privacy earlier on is that i don't know i don't think that he was he was doing it for the drafts for okay. sure okay but, but he seeing the way that... that it's managed in that last scene kind of make it just makes me examine all the earlier incidents yeah i want to re-watch it just to find out like was he was he trying to do that all along? Um, okay, so they're they're chatting and they're talking about how he would have to quit the Abbey. Gotta I don't know what Abbey. that means. He's got to move out of his home. Move out into... of the Abbey. He's not like quitting managing it or anything. Just leave it. Just stop living there. Yeah, until okay. the dad dies or whatever. It, it made it sound like he's like stepping down from his position. He's not going to have as much wealth and blah 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 blah. 
No, oh, he's okay. just going to move into Emma's house for a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Here's, here's something that, that, but it's a trope in movies and they do this in this movie as well. You have a, a character that is unpleasant, an unpleasant character, right? And they have one event and suddenly they're a different character because of that one event. Now, I do feel like they did a better job of letting that one event land and, and having it kind of soak in more so than a lot of other movies. But it's still a one event. Suddenly, she's not a terrible person anymore because of that one event. I feel like that doesn't, that's hard for me to believe but i i don't know well this is where the trope of this podcast is heart of stone jason comes out yeah that's true unbelievable i'm sure you didn't cry either why would i i don't understand true love this isn't will smith come on are we gonna talk Um, about the slap Rachel watched the slap. the slap live from the Oscars. Oh, no, no, no. I was talking about a quote from you, actually, Chad. Watch uh, that. Something along the lines of, when Will Smith <laughs> cries, I cry. I cry. Yes. <laughs> from the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Sum up. Uh, my wife, her comments uh, was, she doesn't like the choices uh for the Anya or whoever chose for Emma. Um, but it, uh, was it stack up? I don't know. I think she, she overall, she liked it. I don't know why I have stack up and face. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe she doesn't like her face. I think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know like what stack up like a, a leading positive from Karen that I've won. It is, it I is like that's an she, accomplishment. She said it was good. She said, especially she liked the brightness of you of did it, the, Jessica. You really did it. She liked how the 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 a closer to period makeup was used. Um, for me, my comments was I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't hate it. So there's that. Oh, you were gonna hate it. I love this. I feel great. Let's end the podcast. <laughs> all right that's me paul you're up okay so something that i've heard sean say a couple of different times it was something to the effect of like this movie was not made for sean or something like that like i love that he starts like carl maloning uh (laughs) but i uh felt like as i was watching this movie i was like this movie was made for Paul and it was just it was like, um, I don't know if everybody who knows me would automatically suspect that, but I just, <laughs> I just loved it. Um, so I'll tell you a couple of the things that I thought. Was this your first time watching it, Paul? Yes. Yes. Oh, um, yeah, it was my first time watching it and it, it had been on my radar and I was like, oh yeah, I'll watch it when I watch it. And then and there was a reason to, and I just, loved that there was a reason to so a couple of the things i love the the little gaggle of girls uh who go to the school like i love 
how it felt like the Madeline books and mm -hmm. like they were just kind of like all eight of them or 10 of them were essentially one person but as a group that they were having more fun and had more secrets and had little mysteries going on and other people who had more money uh, more space had less going on in their actual lives I thought the scene where they're chopping up the the tower of sand with a credit card I was like they're having the time of their lives and nobody else gets to do that they think they're I really love that weird little flower game that they play it's so like it's so simple but it's so cute and it feels really like period accurate too yeah and um and so that that was one part that I really loved. I also loved seeing how rich kid problems were not inconsequential simply because I can't relate to their socioeconomic status. It's like the problems that they have, like a gas, take up as much space as they're given. And that's true of my life. And that's true of somebody who's the 0.0001% of the 1%, right? Like it, Like your problems still take up all the space that they're given and it was really cool to see their difficulties held up that way where it's just like oh yeah just money or no money the human condition is this thing that i relate to um can i, can I okay <laughs> can i talk about that real quick yeah there was um there the, this happens a lot and it kind of bugs me um it's when like there's a rich person and once again, going back to me hating rich movie, rich people movies, but I'm going to do the opposite perspective on this one. Um, people like somebody complains about like a first world problem or whatever. Right. Um, but it's like a rich person problem and they like tear them down and they're like, how dare you even complain about how dare you like that bug that some some i don't remember who said it somebody was complaining about something and they were rich or whatever and people jumped on them and like how could you possibly complain about your rich problems when this is happening in the world like something like that like i don't understand that i don't like people let people live their lives like tear i don't know that bugged me anyways well, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that's the what about isms. What about isms? Yeah, it's like, what about? And then you say something else. Oh, it's like, as an example, today my brothers and I were having a conversation, and one of them, like, speaks Arabic, and he was talking about like what's going on in Iran right now. And my other brother is an expert on like Japan and Asian foreign policy and stuff. And he was like, "Well, there's like a million Uyghurs dying in." in China right now and there's like this other insane thing where all these people are dying like basically all these other bad things are happening in the world why should I even give one iota of thought to the thing that you're bringing up and yeah I hate that I stubbed my toe I can't complain about it I'm sorry because oh. all these other bad things in the world are happening yeah. yep exactly the article that I that I just shared um is from Alexis Madrigal. He's mainly just quoting another writer, Teju Cole, who's a novelist and a lot of other things. Um, but Teju Cole used to be really uh, active on social media and he talked about this. Uh, one of the problems that like we miss when we say something like first world problems is like a poor person in a poor country 
is still going to be bothered if their phone doesn't work. Uh, like a poor person doesn't like stubbing their toe either. Like, like, uh, like no one likes these, like you're allowed to not like that. Like, yeah. And I, I think it was just both a time and a place and a socioeconomic status, all of which were foreign from my experience. And even so within the specificity of it, I was like, Oh, I found the universal. There it is. Like my heart has been broken. Like I have family dynamics that I don't understand. I have misread social cues and left parties feeling foolish. Like, like, and so, so that was um, like a super, I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was just the space that I, I really enjoyed inhabiting um, for 90 minutes with, every 15 minutes having an advertisement on prime, <laughs> like, like kind of disrupted my experience, especially cause like only one of the scenes does it ever fade to black. And then it did that like 30 seconds before it faded to like a commercial about Tampax. Was it not free on prime? Oh, oh mine was free, but it was like free with advertisements. It was free with ads. Yeah. Oh. No, no, but it was just fine. So, um, okay. So you got to get from the library. DVDs are the way to go guys. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I, I wondered about within my own biases as I was watching it is that initially uh, the guy who falls in love with Jane Fairfax, who's secretly engaged to her, I, his name is Frank Churchill, Frank Churchill, as I watched it, um, and maybe you guys do this too. Like as soon as somebody like walks into the room, you look at their clothes and you're like, beautiful clothes, not so beautiful clothes. And you look at their face and you're like, beautiful face, not so beautiful face. How much weasel, is- weasel face or, or whatever it is. Like how, <laughs> how much am I supposed to care based on the outer facade? Right. Sure. And, and I thought he was this really attractive guy who, as you get to know him a little bit more becomes less so. And then Mr. Knightley, um, I thought it was cool that he's got this pretty significant scar, like yeah. right here under his eye, something right here between his eyes. Greasy hair that was Greasy all disheveled. Teeth that are like, they haven't gone through a, a whitening system. Some of them are kind of crooked. And yet he became more and more attractive to me as I was watching. And I was like, that's that's a cool thing that maybe somebody has been manipulating my emotions, but how how many times in real life have my emotions similarly been manipulated where a knee-jerk reaction became something else over time because I got to know somebody like, oh, these people really are smart now that I've given them time. They really are funny now that I've given them time. They really are beautiful. Um, yeah, or the or the really pretty people can just be like repulsive because of their yeah, actions. Like it, it's not hard to walk away from some of them when you see what's on the inside. And, and, and sometimes there are pieces of me that I've also wanted to walk away from because of it was it was ugly and i could keep it underneath some skin um probably though my my two favorite scenes one was mr knightley like not being able to get out of his clothes and and that that, that was so frustrating to him because all the money in the world all of the you know the the things that he was given that way like he still if he had diarrhea in that moment he would soil himself like head to toe and there's and and that would be a common denominator and the reason why i like that is because emma 
you kind of get to see that, which is my nose just exploded at the, like my, at the moment where I wanted to be able to keep it all together. I've been spending my entire life making sure that like no hairs are out of place, that the, the dress flows the way that it's supposed to, that like, I don't even make eye contact unless it's a power move to make eye contact. And then she's just so vulnerable and she's bleeding out. And it's like two rich kids who've been friends since forever, who found each other and the universe brought them together, bleeding out, seeing this gross like thing happening. It was like, now we're finally going to be okay because it's human to human instead of like facade to facade or money to money. So it's um, diarrhea to nosebleeds. It's diarrhea to nosebleeds. Um, and it's warming up the bum in front of the fire and it's got to get your bum in front of somebody else because you can't, you don't have the wherewithal to take off your own clothes. So Carl, there's no shame either. There's like no yeah. embarrassment or whatever. This is just life. This is my manservant. I'm just going to be naked in front of this guy and he's going to put my pants on yeah. like a baby. <laughs> so I remember as a teenager seeing sense and sensibility and thinking, I love this movie. Like, I love watching with Emma Thompson. Yeah, and Kate Winslet. Winslet. I, I was just like, I love this. Like, Ang Lee. The 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 line where they say, you know, they talk about things we never talk about, and I was just like, oh, I love this movie. And then twenty years later, I watched this one. I'm like, Carl Maloning myself out. I'm like, they made this movie for Paul. This is a Paul movie. <laughs> like, sign me up. And so I so enjoy that there was an opportunity to watch it. And I know um, that it, not everything I've said will, will land with everybody, but the movie as a whole and the movie in its parts, scene to scene to scene, uh, I just, I was in heaven, but um, a heaven that like made me think about my own hells of my life. And then there's one other thing I'll say and I'll be done, which was um, the thing that I related to most about Emma is when she had all of the answers, it was because she had no experience, right? And they're like, I was gonna be a way better husband before I got married, a way better father before I had children. And right now, like six months ago, my dad's back just went out and he's 65 and he's a dentist and he's been curved for 30 years. And I found myself yesterday in a phone call with my mom and I was like, man, you know, should dad have done like more core work? Like what, what the heck is happening? And I like. I was had also just watched this movie and I'm like, but mom, I also need you to know that I've never been 65 before and I've never been an orthodontist for 35 years. And it's totally inappropriate for me to like make these wild judgment calls about dad's back because I'm sure they'll just come back to bite me. So all of it, <laughs> I know it's like centering myself, like in the right there in the middle of the Ptolemaic universe, but this was such an important, cool, fun, beautiful watch for me. So Jessica, I loved it. Thank you for the suggestion. And Paul, you're right in the middle of my Zoom chat too. So yes. everyone's surrounding Paul. Love it, Paul. John, you're up. Was this movie made for Sean? I I have thoughts about that. That's what I was planning on talking about. So Paul <laughs> definitely cued me up. So I have I have a long-standing, lifelong prejudice against British period pieces. Oh, I just, we know. We watched Jane Eyre. I, I we know, watched yeah. White Star. We watched. I, 
and a lot of them I just haven't seen because I know I'm not going to like them. I'm glad Anthony made the comparison to superhero movies because that's one of my other prejudices. I know I'm not going to like them, so I just don't watch them. Um, <laughs> over and over in movie club, that prejudice has been challenged. We watched Bright Star and it was like, oh, I actually really love this movie. And we watched A Room with a View and it's like, okay, maybe this isn't in my top 10, but there are a lot of things I really love about this movie and Jane Eyre. And I also, outside of movie club, I watched um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women just because she had made it and i loved it way more than i thought i would yeah this did not do that no it was was very not made for me it just i don't know it confirmed all of my prejudices that i don't like we don't have an eight out of eight consensus beautiful (laughs) setup and punchline that was good so but (laughs) i've been thinking about like what what do i want to say about it because anything that like if i tried to explain why i didn't like it none of the criticisms are like interesting to talk about because it's like it just wasn't for me it's like okay that was a joke that was clever but I didn't think it was funny these are characters that are charming but I wasn't interested in them so like I don't know that I can really justify not liking it besides I just didn't so the things that I was thinking about that I want to talk about are the things that I really did love about it despite it being a movie that like i was not enjoying there were things that i really really loved about it mostly related to like craft of the movie i thought it was just absolutely gorgeous um you know like i'm noticing the curtains like why do i care about curtains because like they're prominent and they're you care about them because the director and like the exactly yeah a lot wow that reminds me sean one more thing so powerful that like the uh the wallpaper is like peeling off when Emma's in the, do you know when she's going to Mrs. Bates' house to say sorry? Uh-huh. And like, like Miss Bates is a little poor. And so the, oh, it's peeling off. I love that. Sorry. Yeah. No, I thought, I mean, I think that this movie like very much follows the philosophy of every frame of painting. And it's like, I could just, you know, take any, literally any frame out of the movie and just look at it and say, this is beautiful. Let's talk about the composition. Let's talk about the colors. Um, definitely made the, the Wes Anderson connection as well. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought a lot of the performances were really good, but again, it just kind of just wasn't, wasn't for me. But um, the other thing that nobody has talked about yet that I really did enjoy was that um, the music that takes place within the movie, like not the soundtrack, but the musical performances were actually done live by the actors and not like overdubbed. And I thought that that was, that was really great. The, the piano that she has, you know, they start out with the harpsichord and then she gets gifted the piano forte and it's like slightly out of tune and you can like hear the sound of the room that it's in. Um, I just, I really, really love that. I wish there was more of that. The first time that we get um, how firm a foundation or whatever, like this big choral piece is, I was expecting it to cut to a scene of people singing because it was just so loud. And I was really disappointed when that, that didn't happen. I was reminded of Bright Star. There's a scene where there's a bunch of men sitting around in the, the parlor room singing. And it's like, oh, I just wish that they had like leaned really heavy into that and like made it part of the movie instead of just part of the soundtrack. I'll also add to that, Sean, if you want more of that, there is another period piece, not to recommend another one to you. <laughs> you've probably seen called Under the Greenwood Tree. It's based on a Thomas Hardy mo- novel and it's about it mostly takes place in this very small village and there's like the church choir made up of just these poor working class people that just hang out, work on the farms. One of them owns like a pigeon 
messenger delivery situation and they just go around the town serenading people in that style and it's amazing there's a ton of like choral music in it well i do like i think that that can sometimes be a trope and that is one of the ones that i do actually really like um i think i think those are kind of like the high points for me um yeah, if this director made another movie that wasn't like a period piece like this, I'd definitely be interested to watch it. Like I, I loved a lot of the choices, you know, the costumes, the set design, cinematography, all of that was was wonderful. So that's what I have to say. Love it. Uh, Carrie, you're up. Okay. Um... So I need to preface this with my history of Emma. I grew up with the 1996 Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. I went through a phase where I watched that and Strictly Ballroom like every single day for a month. Even now, all these years later, even though it's been a minute, I've seen that Emma and I'm watching this movie. I can say the line before the actor says it on the screen because, you know, there's a lot of overlap in the dialogue. So, like, that's a very present memory, even after all these years. Like, I had the movie, I've read the book several times, I had the soundtrack of the original. So, like, that is my Emma movie. So, because of that, like, this movie really fell flat for me. Like, I didn't <laughs> care that much for it. Like, I just. <laughs> And I love the the Romola Gray. I don't know how to say her last name. I say Gary. I don't know if that's right, but yeah. it's easy. I, I loved her um, her version of Emma too. Like just the weird faces she would make sometimes when she was talking to people. Adorable. Like I loved her. I bought her as Emma. Um, Johnny Lee Miller. He's too like Mansfield Park for me. He didn't. He, anyway, I'm talking about another Emma. So like, we'll do a separate my, episode where we just compare all the different versions of Emma. Well, see, right. that's the thing. Like all of my criticisms are mostly like a critical comparison of the two Emmas. Like for, like Toni Collette is my favorite actress. She's been my favorite actress for years and years and years. She was fantastic in Emma as nice. Harriet. Like just how insecure she was and like her mannerisms, like in every single movie you see her in, she has a different mannerism and like the way she does accents, the way, like she is a character actress. She's amazing. Wait, but Carrie, saying uh, that, sorry, what Paul? No, she, I was going to ask if Hereditary is your all time favorite movie then because you're a horror. Like, <laughs> I actually liked that. her better in the sixth sense than I did in oh, Hereditary. Really? She was, fantastic and hereditary uh, from a horror standpoint is there any movie scarier than that i don't know if there is my i think goodness. midsummer is scarier but i think it might oh, have been really? because i read the synopsis of hereditary before i watched it so a lot of it was ruined oh okay. for me i can't but watch hereditary because anyway. it's like in my neighborhood the thing that amazes me about tony collette is i thought she was american until like three years ago yeah 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 she's australian isn't she um but saying about that Mia Goth yeah I thought she was adorable like at first like the first couple of minutes I wasn't so sure but when she started giggling when Mr. Elton mm -hmm. was like complimenting them I'm like okay I'm sold okay she is adorable like she's clearly very young very impressionable 
um, very, you know, sweet and good natured. Did you watch um, her horror movies? I know. Like? I saw The X Cure for and... Wellness. I, was... I haven't seen that new one. The new one was. Um... Is it The Pearl or something? Pearl. Yeah. It's just Pearl, I think. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. I, do, I was wondering um, if you had seen those full horror movies and had an opinion of other movies that Mia Goth was in. I mean, I thought she was great in The Cure for Wellness. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought she was adorable. I thought she was fantastic as Harriet, so I have no issues with her. Um, one thing, oh, and Bill Nighy, I thought he was just like too lively. Like the best movie I've ever seen him in was About Time um with Domhnall Gleeson um that yeah. role was made for him like he that is who he is and you know I've seen him yeah in other movies too where he was great okay Safi sorry she's squeaking um yeah I just I like the original and the red the original was the 1996 <laughs> I like that father better he just seemed a lot more fragile instead of pretending not pretending to be fragile but like you know is they're both with Michael Gambon or is that the no okay um <laughs> I thought nightly Johnny Flynn doesn't hold a candle to Jeremy Northam he just he doesn't like I I felt like you know especially when I saw in the credits that he was the one that saying queen bee at the end he did a beautiful job singing that um but Mr. he just, knightley was this one that sang queen bee yeah yeah johnny wow. flynn sang that so oh, and then yeah. i looked him up on imdb and i felt like i needed to know this actor before i watched the movie in order to be impressed by him in the movie if that makes sense like i need so that makes sense like in the movie, yeah, sure. um, The Spy Who Dumped Me. I don't know if anyone has seen that with Kate McKinnon and um, oh. Mila Kunis, but there's the blonde guy in that. Apparently he's from like Outlander or something and I didn't know that. I watched it and I'm like, this guy is just a blank. I don't get it. And then it turns out like, no, he's a big deal and I should have been impressed. And so I you're wasn't. supposed to bring in personality from other... Exactly. From, from other yeah. roles that this character has done and then he's bringing that that impression that the audience is supposed to give from yeah. his character work. Yeah. Yes. Very good, Chad. Thank you. Um, so I just, Jeremy Northam has such a, a warmth and a curmudgeonliness that I thought was much better suited for Mr. Knightley. I thought Johnny Flynn just like stared blankly a lot and just, and the way that he and Anya would argue over each other didn't work for me. Like I've seen that done very effectively in other movies between actors. And it was just like, stop doing that so I can understand what you're saying. <laughs> like it was distracting, it didn't work. Um, I found Anya very cold. Like I didn't like her until like maybe the last five or 10 minutes of it. And even though like in, the other two Emmas that were mentioned, you know, they are very spoiled and self-centered. They were still very warm and likable. And she just, I wanted her to have a lot more warmth and expression in her face throughout the movie to make me want to root for her. Well, 
right now I'm team Paul and not team Carrie and Sean. It'd be okay. <laughs> We're not here to take sides, Chad. I'm not taking sides and I'm taking this, this like criticism. These criticisms I'm taking personally that carries. That's okay. You take them personally. You hold He's like writing me. an email to Johnny Flynn right now. <laughs> click, 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 click. Uh-huh. And I thought um, Sophie Thompson, Emma's sister, was the original Mrs. Bates. And in this one, Miranda Hart. Like, I love Miranda. I loved her in uh, Call the Midwife. I loved her in other things that I've seen her. And she was just too likable in this. Like, she didn't do a good enough job. And making me understand why she was so your annoying. Criticism, your criticism is she's too likable? Yes. Well, because Mrs. Bates is supposed to be like this very chatty, overbearing, like annoying person that will not shut up and doesn't like read social cues and knowing when to stop talking or like when you, you know what I mean like she just I think yeah. this is just your personal bias towards Miranda like you like her too much to find her annoying because she's super annoying in this movie she's oh, not I'm as annoying to, like she's not annoying as annoying up. as the Gwyneth Paltrow Mrs. Bates but like every time I hear her start like walking up to Emma and chattering I'm like it just like <laughs> I, see, I was like, no, Jane, come on, I want to talk. Uh, Jane, Fairfax. Like, Jane, Jane Fairfax. <laughs> Where's the movie about Miranda's Miss Bates? Jane Fairfax is so accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought Alan Cumming was a much better Mr. Elton. Like, well, Alan just Cumming's the way the best. he, he, he he's, mm, yeah, he's up there as one of my favorites. He's perfection. The way he delivers lines, his facial expressions. You know, every like just the um, proposal scene and the carriage, it didn't work for me because they were also talking over each other. And it just maybe if they talked at like different volumes or something, but because it was like at the same volume, like I couldn't follow what they were saying. And it just, Alan and Gwyneth just did a better job doing that scene. Like, I don't know. Love it. Um, I like the original wife better too. The way she always talks about how she would never say that she was accomplished, but she only knows that her friends would say so. I thought that was really missing in this movie. Like she needed to self-promote. Well, <laughs> um, like, I thought she was, yeah. I, I think I, it was Sean. I'm disagreeing with every single thing that you're saying. That's Carrie. okay, <laughs> Like, um, no, that is not right. That is not right. You're wrong. <laughs> I think it was Sean that said, you know, when they had that really loud singing at the beginning and then, you know, I expected it to also cut to a choir singing it. Like I, I felt like a lot of the singing and it was beautiful, but jarring. Like it kind of takes you out of it a little bit instead of. Was this your first watch or have you seen it before? Yeah. This is my first watch of this, Emma. Um, With the girls, I wish they wore different color cloak than red like it screams so much of the handmaid's tale to me like can we have chosen like green or tan or something like why did it have to be red that's just like a a thing um one thing that i noticed is the servant at um of emma he played Merlin and the kid who would be king. I don't know if any of you have watched that. Andy Circus's son was in that. It's a really cute movie. 
And so when I saw him in it, like, you know, he's played big parts in it. So I thought he would be in it more. And I also think he would have, I don't know. I think he's adorable. And I was a little disappointed that he was so underutilized. Car- <laughs> Carrie is coming in hot on this, <laughs> on this episode. I, I, take my, I take my period pieces. <laughs> That's right very seriously especially jane austen like near and dear watched all of them dozens and dozens of times um so yeah like i don't think i'd watch this version again like i liked i thought it was total eye candy it was absolutely beautiful and painterly um like sean said every frame of painting um but just that and Mia Goth were like the only things where it would really like pull me to want to watch it again. And also I'm curious to know, like, why do you think there was a period at the end of her name in the title? Like, why was it Emma period and not just Emma? That's Twee Charm. You think it was yeah, just it's cute being... and quirky. And that was one of the other Angry. things that I did like. I like the period. Do you like the period? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice it until I looked it up and saw it. Um <laughs> And if there was definitive version of Emma, yeah, pe- Emma. Period. You can't get better than this one. Twenty twenty. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I, I guess there were parts where I felt the chemistry between the two main characters a little bit, but I've felt it a lot stronger in other versions. So, but also, I need to say that while I watched this, it cut out like every couple minutes and then was buffering and then I'd get a few more minutes and it was buffering so that might have led to like my cranky over critique of the movie but I still stand by everything I said love it love it Gary every every bit of that yeah that was good (laughs) so Rachel is gonna say stuff but also she needs to go get Henry soon oh no it's 8 33 so I don't, were you going to leave at 840? I need to leave right now. I forgot about that. Yeah, I should have at... gone before. Yeah, sorry. It's my fault. You were just at the bottom of the screen. Rachel, I want to see what you're working on, though. Yeah, I was going to ask, but I didn't want to take up time from your critique. <laughs> yeah. So this is. Give us I'm a tour. Making. I don't know. Okay. Henry's gonna be I'm gonna pick up Henry late I guess um, it only takes 15 minutes 20 minutes to get there so if you leave no, now it's it fine 30 minutes not not at this time of night you can okay. just cruise can I turn the screen here this is um it's called a puff quilt so every square I'm stuffing with the, like every square is a pocket and I'm stuffing it with polyfill so it's really squishy and this is half of it, so it'll be twice that size. It's Gorgeous. Yeah, it goes- is it for somebody like me? No. Like you. Oh. <laughs> um, Show your fabric cabinet. This is the fabric cabinet. Amazing. Um, yeah. I wanted it to look like fallen leaves. Like... Mm. um like our backyard in Riverdale. Cute. Oh, that's good. It's stunning, oh. Rachel. It's beautiful. Artistry. You. Just an artist, like, in her element. Thank you. I enjoy it. 
What'd you think about the movie? You can walk and talk if you want to. Um, yeah, but once I leave the house, it's going to break up a ton. So I'll mm. try to go quick. Um, okay. The Everything that Carrie said is true. <laughs> Except... Rachel also loved the Gwyneth... No, go on. What do you no, think about watched... the Gwyneth Paltrow? Just don't talk for me. I'm talking. I'm not... I'm not... <laughs> go. Mute. I... Um... I watched that Gwyneth Paltrow movie probably a hundred times in my life, but because I have watched all those Pride and Prejudice, every single version and everything, I just like totally wore myself out and I don't watch them anymore. And the first hour of this movie, I was just like, I can't handle it. I know every single line. Like it's so irritating to have to watch these people looking like gooses walking around I don't know so um we turned it off for the night at the dance scene and then we came back and the second half of the movie just like blew me away I loved it except for the ending where she's talking to the Churchills I thought that was really cheesy and lame um that was in the deleted scene oh good they deleted that yeah that was a deleted scene that was a good choice because that was horrible. That was a horrible scene. Um, <laughs> We're going to make Chad explain that scene to us after he leaves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, some of the deleted scenes were really funny, though. Mrs. Bates, just love her so much. I don't care if there's any other Miss Bates that does a better job being Miss Bates. She's so great that it doesn't matter. She's just a great person all around especially in the deleted scenes um i loved the nosebleed i loved how bright the greens were there's a lot of bright green like a great british breaking show kind of made me think of that um I wish that I could articulate myself as well as everyone else. And just like you guys, all, I, I'm so I'm honored to be in your presence because all of you guys like know what to say and you remember what you're going to say and what you think about the movie. And you know, all the people and the characters and you know, from different movies. And I'm like, I don't pay attention to any of that. And I forget what I'm going to say. So we're honored to be in your presence, Rachel. And you want to So I thought we've had this conversation already. Like, oh, maybe Rachel, you, okay, you sorry. are so She just smart. needs her monthly pep talk. It's okay. You are so smart. <laughs> and yeah, but plus I, you like made everybody cry a couple of times. Was it last yeah. <laughs> like everybody's just like single tear, single tear, and and that's how it ends this month. It's like, whoa, <laughs> this is powerhouse. Okay, sorry. Like and I, I think we all kind of feel that like that's a, a Paul trope for sure to say something super insightful and be like, oh, sorry, I don't have anything insightful to say. And my uh, my monthly tradition is as soon as we get off the call, I walk into the room with Carrie and I'm like, gosh, everybody hates me. I, I'm so stupid. Wasn't I? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like everybody's so insightful that we all feel like we can't, you know, compare. I don't know. Maybe I can't speak for everybody. Well, I- I don't hate you, Sean, but I do feel like everyone hates me for hating every single movie. <laughs> Not at all. Say, Not I do want to say I... that I'm so glad that I didn't hate this movie as much as some other people hate this movie. 
And in fact, there were parts that I loved. So thank you for making me watch it. I would not have watched it, especially like Chad tried to make me watch it and I sat through 10 minutes and couldn't handle it. And then um, the first hour was really hard. But then after that, something changed. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just because the first hour I really would rather have been quilting. And the next day, like I was feeling better. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I feel like a lot was said. And I agree a lot with what has already been said. So. Love it. All. Go get Henry. Get out of here. <laughs> You can put it on white or take off the Wi-Fi and it shouldn't kill it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought that was one of the segments of the show is Rachel driving the car for part of it. <laughs> Henry's in a theater group and he's it's tech week right now and he's on the costume crew and the production is Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday or something like that. So every day he's there. What's the show? Oh, they're doing an Alice in Wonderland adaptation. It's called Alice's UNLV. Wonderland. Yeah, a UNLV and... student wrote it, and it's like Alice through all these different years and growing up and different costumes, and they've got like four different Alices. Yeah, talk about costumes. Play. I'm super excited to go see these costumes because he was telling me today. Can you guys hear me? I put my earbud in. Yes. Yeah, you're good. Okay, he was telling me today that um, all about the costumes, and he said his favorite costume is the white rabbit because the white rabbit just wears a a white suit with gold trim and gold shoes and he doesn't have like um bunny ears or anything like that and he thought that was very cool and i'm like i want to see that so i'm very excited to go see the costumes and henry said he got to sew some of the parts of the costumes and very cool that's awesome sounds amazing great so Sorry, has he wanted you to show him how to sew at all? Like, get better at it? I, I, no, I don't think so. No, he he and I made a quilt a while ago, but he's not interested really when it comes down to me and him doing anything together, you know. But if he's doing it with friends or whatever, then he's always more interested. Yeah. He runs a D&D campaign and plays magic the gathering and is always like looking up weird tutorials and D, &D stuff on blogs <laughs> how old is he now he's 14 that just reminded me of something when you said weird i can't believe that there wasn't a conversation about the weird al yankovic biopic yet in this podcast i haven't seen it what no it i mean I'm it's gonna like see it. Hot, it's like hot rod for 2022. It's the best. Is it? Yes, it's so funny. I'm gonna see it. It's, it's Daniel Radcliffe, right? That plays Weird Al. It's also what I dressed up as for Halloween, guys. Just in case you're wondering. Wow. So my take is loved every side character, loved Emma's sister, and husband or and a brother-in-law and the baby that came that was so great she was also uh one of the um what lafferty wives in under the banner of heaven so that was fun to see her be like english and not like a scared 
American, I guess. So she does great. I loved Elton's wife and I thought she did a great job. Um, I wanted like a Colin Firth leading man type in all my Jane Austens. I was with Paul and it's like, this guy's not that good looking. And it's true that he did grow on me by the end as in like, oh yeah, I mean, he's nice and he's got lots of money, but he's still not that good looking. And I get a haircut or comb it at least. Cause uh, I don't I know. I was smitten. You were smitten, was... Anthony? You liked his, him? His profile picture on IMD is a lot more attractive. I think, yeah, it's the hair needed to. But I can see that he's like, he's not like uh, trying to be that leading man type because he was like playing off uh, anti-establishment kind of like not playing the roles that he's supposed to be playing, like was said before. But still, isn't, isn't Colin... he like supposed to be older too? Like I think his character and the actor are thirty-seven, and Emma's so, supposed to be twenty, and he's yeah. isn't he? Emma's dad's friend. No, she's in her twenty-first year. So well, he does 20. go to visit yeah. the dad. He's sixteen when she was born, so they're oh, neighbors. No. They've known each other. Like, okay, her dad would have known him when he was a little kid. He knew her when she was born and watched her grow up. So that that is something that always weirds me out about. Them. Don't tell me that. <laughs> yep, sorry, but yeah, he's. I don't want him. all this extra baggage and from ninety-six. I can't remember if this comes through in this movie, but it's his younger brother that's married to Emma's older sister. That that ninety six oh, yeah. movie must must be horrible if if it shows that. Yeah, that's right. It's like oh, gross age disparity. <laughs> There's a, I I just compare it to the nineteen ninety five, definitive version of Emma, which is clueless, and I want a <laughs> Paul Rudd as Mister Knightley. Give me Paul Rudd as everything. That's all. Something. Paul should be Emma. He should be Mr. Knightley. He should be. Mrs. That's funny Knightley. that Clueless came out a year before Emma. Is that true? Yeah. I've been like trying to find a list of like all the movie versions of Emma that have been produced and Clueless was the first one. So it's Clueless is 95. The Gwyneth Paltrow one. So they based. They based also watched a bazillion Clueless times off of Emma, but they based Clueless off of the book. Of Emma and not like previous adaptations have been done. That's nuts. But I'm sure there was like a 70s BBC version of. There's a. Probably a bunch of TV. There's a 1972 miniseries. Sure. And that's the first one. There's not like a black and white era one. Like there's a Laurence Olivier Pride and Prejudice. There's nothing like that for Emma, which I find interesting. Well, I love the farmer. He was my favorite. What's his name again? Um, Robert Martin. Mr. Martin. Robert, Mr. Robert Martin. He was the best. Uh, uh, Jane uh, Fairfax was great. I mean, I saw her fingers and it looked like she was playing exactly what the, it was sounding like. So it's always a thumbs up when you, someone's actually playing piano on the screen or at least learning the part to play it enough to show their fingers actually making the nothing is worse or more distracting than someone that's just moving their hands around and while there's piano music going in a movie for me 
it's almost as bad as someone fake playing the guitar while like guitar sounds are coming out from the guitar. I hate it when trumpet players in movies have their cheeks blown out. <laughs> yeah. Sean, you got something about tromboners? No, but I agree with everything that you're saying. <laughs> I, that, I recently watched me. I recently watched There's Something About Mary for the first time. And Jonathan Richmond does the soundtrack. And there are these all little segments between scenes where he's like in the movie playing the songs. And he does such a bad job pretending to play the guitar and sing. And it's like, these are your songs, dude. Like, you can do better anyway. <laughs> oh, but that reminds me of another beef that I have with this movie is where Johnny Flint, well, where Mr. Knightley plays the violin and sings. And I feel like Mr. Knightley would not have done that. Like, I feel like Absolutely they only put that not. in Mr. because... Knightley would never be caught dead touching a violin. Yeah. Give right, me my like... Mr. Knightley that is true to form. No, because, like, I feel like they only threw that in because Johnny Flynn is, like, an accomplished musician. And so they were just showing him off instead of the character. Like... <laughs> How'd you like Anya Taylor-Joy singing her song and then Jane Fairfax going, showing her up with the oh. piano? That is oh, actually my literal favorite moment in this adaptation is she sits down and Mia Goth is like, no one could do as good a job as me. And then Jane's like, <laughs> and they just start all. That is a perfect moment. And the whole thing about the sheet music too, like uh -huh. that exchange before she goes gets up there. That was, yeah. that was cool. Jane's line is so good. She's like, I'll about just like, I'll struggle to, or I'll try. <laughs> yeah, she's great. And it's too bad. Well, okay, here's some deleted scenes. Hilarious deleted scene is Mia Goth running and her legs are like going out like kind of like really awkward and it was the best. Um, Jane or the Miss Bates in a deleted scene, just an extended conversation about apples. Wasn't it about apples, Rachel? And they were in Miss Bates' house. <laughs> Different colored apples, the way they taste and look. And what... Wasn't it like how they can be painted too? Yeah. Which ones look better in a painting? Something uh -huh. like that. Just like extended. And it was so good. Some of them are really dumb. And are like, oh yeah, this one should have been deleted. Um, yeah, what what was it? The Anya Taylor-Joy was getting dressed. And it was just redundant with um, the other uh, Mr. Knightley getting dressed. At the very end of the movie, <clears throat> Emma is walking down the road and sees Mr. Elton and, uh, nope, what's his name? Frank Churchill and Jane Fairfax after they got married. And Mr. Elton says something to Emma. Nope, sorry. Frank Churchill apologizes to Emma uh, and kind of plays, teases her, saying like, you really had no idea that we were engaged all along and then emma like uh burns him by saying something about like how he, he he's like she's sure that he delighted himself in fooling everyone and making fools of everyone and then she goes over to jane fairfax and says that um they both have something in common Oh, what was it, Rachel? Something about how this Frank Churchill 
married someone far superior to him and that she no she compared herself to frank churchill by saying that they both married someone far superior than themselves or something like that and then we're like oh this is dumb this is the dumbest scene doesn't I feel like that's not true to either frank churchill or emma's characters like emma would never say that to someone and frank churchill would never apologize i guess it was like a amending of ways of between emma and jane fairfax like they're going to be friends from that point on but it didn't seem true and it was just a dumb scene and it was deleted so you guys can forget about it it never happened <laughs> with you just can put it in the memories bucket from harry potter oh the bloopers were fun apparently they had like uh something in the nose and then they set it off somehow and then the blood was supposed to go down the fake blood it's pensive that's right good but it went down the wrong way it was going down her throat and so she was she was like went off screen and you can hear like the it was showing mr knightley the whole time just like and he was all like kind of disgusted by it and she went off screen and was blowing her nose and then she comes back and she's ready to do the scene and then it starts bleeding and she's like oh it's real this is a real bloody nose so i think they started it with fake and the fake stuff went the wrong way but then it triggered like a real one and then they kept on like they wiped it real quick and they're like okay let's go and then they messed up and then they wiped it real quick so it was like i'm like wow this is like inside actor studio right now okay I watched it in June. Rachel refused to watch it with me because she's prejudiced against Emma and I've seen Emma too many times. And I loved it the first time. And the second time was fun, but I was watching it with Rachel and Rachel didn't love it, but I still loved it. So my enjoyment of the movie isn't dependent on if the person next to me is enjoying it as much as I am or not. So I know what I like. And like Paul, this movie was made for me. It, I'm a connoisseur of cozy and the lighting and the setting and the greenery was just so cozy right now. And I'm like, I'm going to be in England and it's going to be late May, early June, and it better be green and it better be wet. So that's it from that movie. Good job, Jessica. Good it job, is, guys. I was hoping we'd have a good discussion. I think that we did. And I love all of your criticisms, too. No, boo. No, I love them. <laughs> like I said, like this is not my favorite, Emma. I think it's a really interesting movie, and I enjoyed it. And I will continue for the rest of my life to watch every period piece that ever comes out. But I like how all three of you Rachel, Jessica, and Carrie are just like diehard fans of North and South. Like that's... Have you watched it? Have I? No. Yeah. Mm -mm. It's got everything. It's I think I've seen meetings. most of it since it's Rachel has seen it so many times. It's got death. It's we have the DVD. Religion. It's got romance. Mm -hmm. It's got riots. What doesn't it have? Colin Firth. It was filmed in a working mill. 
doesn't have Colin Firth taking off his shirt to jump in a pond. It has something better, which is Richard Armitage. Yeah, Richard Armitage is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sorry, Thorin. Mm-hmm. Thorin King. Oakenshield. Yeah. And I just watched The Hobbit, Unexpected Journey. So saw so him. Now you should turn around and watch the <laughs> other I've, Richard I've seen, Armitage. I've seen most of it. I mean, I was I was in the same house of Rachel watching it in Provo lots. Also, <clears throat> that was November. Looking forward to December. Knives Out's coming out on Netflix. So I'm gonna watch it no matter what you guys are doing for has anybody uh, seen Netflix. it yet? Last yeah. No, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. We went and saw it this past weekend, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, know? fun. No Anna de Armas, though. No, but there's other people. There is Kate Hudson having the most fun she's ever made had making a movie, and it is absolutely delightful. I have been, I haven't seen any trailers, and I haven't looked up anything about it. So I'm going to go in completely blank, and it's going to be very fun. I don't think I watched any either. I think I read like part of one review, and that's it. But it's great. Everyone does a good job. It's a lot of fun. The story itself is like an onion. That oh, is. Fun. No spoilers. Also, it's made of glass. What yeah, are we exactly. going to do next in December? Is it Carrie? Let's hear it. What are we going to do? Do we got so options? I've... Do you got like three that you're thinking of? Two. <laughs> so these are two of my favorite Christmas or Christmas related movies. One is. Uh, I've seen it called Scrooge. I've seen it called A Christmas Carol, but it's like the original black and white with Alistair Sim. It has to be that one. It has to be black and white if we do that one. Okay. It is perfect. It is absolute perfection. I agree with watching Not a Christmas Carol? What? What about Spirited with uh, um, no. Ryan Reynolds and uh, Will Ferrell? I also and watched that like, this weekend. It's not good, it's not good <laughs> Jessica? Oh no. Oh no. It's it's fine. It's not good. So it's either that one. Everybody should read a Christmas carol because it's actually really like everybody thinks they know it, but it's like really better than you think it is. Good. Oh, do you do you have the link here, Jessica? What was the other one? It's the nineteen fifty one one. Is it 1951? Yeah, yeah that's the right story. one. Yeah, it's perfection. Um, the other one is uh, about a boy with Hugh Grant. Okay. And it's not super Christmas focused, but it uses Christmas as kind of like bookends of like his growth mm-hmm. and everything. And I've read the book repeatedly. I've watched the movie dozens of times. I have the it soundtrack. I love everything about this movie. It has Tony Collette in it. So I don't know. I like he's Sorry, what? he's rich because his dad wrote a Christmas song. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I'm torn because I feel like Christmas Carol is the super seasonal choice, but About a Boy is the super carry choice. Like it's the, <laughs> most- <laughs> Very choice. the thing is about the Christmas Carol one is. Uh, I remember 
I like a month ago showing Sean that version of Barbara Allen on YouTube and I burst into tears two seconds into it. So I don't think I could get through like a podcast talking about that movie without being like ugly crying. So maybe um, about a boy is the wiser choice. So I don't know. I kind of want to up to you guys. Cry for an hour. I like emotion. <laughs> no, it's up to you, Carrie. <laughs> there's no passing off on the Why choice. No, like we kind of voted on Emma for no, Jessica. It's, it's really fun to hear you debate between your two choices. And we are pro either choice that you do. There's no loser. Well, I don't appreciate you saying that, Chad. I want some like <laughs> feedback of what movie to do. I know. That's the worst part about movie club is picking the movie. <laughs> when they're both seasonal movies too. So it's not like I could go and really pick one for my next movie. Couldn't you? How about we watch about, about a movies? boy is a lot less seasonal. I feel like you can watch that movie when it's not Christmas. Don't listen to Sean, he's prejudiced. okay so has anyone which one do you think karen will like (laughs) we're going to please karen (laughs) i don't know does she like really it's not dated but like really old black and white movies uh she looks she uh yes but not i don't know about that one in particular i mean she grew up on all the uh old Carrie Grants and stuff, but this is not that. Yeah, I don't know, Carrie. Carrie, you can just go with your heart. Go with your heart. Let your heart guide. <laughs> well, oh, I yeah, like Jason, I, really I was going to record one. this local, so you're going to have to send me the, the download link for this one, Jason. It's a good thing I did it then, huh? Well, it's been recording. It's got to be recording somewhere. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, did John, did you know about the last podcast that we did? I lost the last third of the, the Weezer seasons. It was a tragedy. I, yeah. I had forgotten about that. Well, and I slept through the first third of the podcast. <laughs> Sean was so taking a nap. Yeah. That was, yeah, a little bit of a disaster, but it was a fun one. All right, that's it. Carrie, it is like 9 or 12 for Jessica. So Jessica gets to choose, <laughs> right? No. No, that means you have to make a choice now. Your time okay, is up. Okay, I think I think I'll choose about a boy, but I would very much appreciate if you guys try my version of the Christmas carol if Double feature. Just choose Christmas carol. <laughs> Just choose Christmas carol. Oh, so what are we doing? Are we doing double feature? What's, what's the main one? Yeah, Jessica. I like... mean, if you if that's the one you really want us to watch, Carrie, then that's the one you should choose. Which one? Has anyone really not seen about discuss. a boy? Because I, I don't know if I want to choose the main, a movie that everyone's seen. What's the main focus of the discussion next month that you want to talk about? Do you want to talk mostly about a boy or do you want to talk mostly Christmas Carol? About a boy, I think. So we're going to talk about a boy, but it's going to be like Anthony's double feature where you're going to watch two movies like Secret of Nim. And what was the second one? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Cool. When Rachel broke my heart. That's right. 
<laughs> no, Rachel doesn't like movies. So if she likes <laughs> a movie, then it's a win, but it's par for the course if it's just like, meh. <laughs> and the whole time we're watching About a Boy, you have to remember it was made by the guys who did American Pie. Remember that? <laughs> Same guys. I'm telling you. Who is up to pick next time? Rachel. Right? Yeah. Well, Will's always Will. first in line. And then it's Rachel, and then it's me. And then, yeah. But Will so keeps going. Rachel needs to decide ahead of time for us. I already have Lane. Okay. Did you pick Henry just... already? Yeah, he's here. Henry. <clears throat> what up? Uh... Um, that is, where the that is an adult things? human that you have <laughs> as a child. He's huge. I don't know. Are you visible? He's so, yeah, he's so big. He's taller than me. I'm Owen's, like a... Owen's, Owen's going to be taller than Henry. Owen's, Owen's 12 right him. now, and he's, he's almost as tall as Henry. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the shortest. All of Rachel's like... brothers are over six feet all my brothers are over six feet my dad's like six four and i'm five eleven so i don't know why i'm so short this five five nine is average height for an american male nice because i didn't want a six foot husband yeah <laughs> um my movie is where the crowd sing um it was Chad's idea that I choose a movie with quilts. Actually, I think it was just, no, it was because you just not. said that my episode or my turn should just be showing off all my quilts. Uh-huh. And so then I thought, okay, I'll do a movie with lots of quilts. And I asked my quilting Facebook group and where the crowd out sing came up as a movie with a ton of quilts in it. So it is on Netflix. I don't know if it will be on Netflix through January, so you might need to watch it. It's coming on December 1st, I believe, so. Rachel. I it will be, because I think Netflix bought the distribution rate, so it'll probably be there for Rachel, what is the handle for your Instagram quilting account? Okay, it is S-E-W-R-O-A, I think. Yeah, that's right, so ROA. I can share it on Facebook. So today is the 29th. I'm out the week of from the 26th through 30th. I'm going to hang out with Anthony up in Salt Lake on one of those days. It's going to be great. But what about 20? That's in three weeks. How's deck 20 for everyone? think i'm in mexico then no it's s-e-w like so and then r-o-a roa so oh yep follow how to sew an american quilt hey this is not the episode to talk rachel's movie we're gonna do carrie's movie next month and then rachel's the month after that. And it's already 12 o'clock. It's 12.07 for Jessica. Anything else? 
Well, they're they're so, so good. Like, <laughs> did you say so the twentieth? Yeah. yeah. How's deck twenty? That that's works a, for me. That's a that's a Tuesday. That's gonna be tricky for me, but all of December is gonna be tricky for me. So. We've been focusing on Tuesdays. Is is that still the best day? Doesn't no, matter. I can't, I can't do December 20th. Sorry, guys. But I wrote it down. <laughs> what about like a deck 22? That's a Thursday. I'm on a trip from the 21st through Christmas, basically. Through the 24th. The 22nd and fire anniversary to... <gasps> Big 15. Congrats. So definitely do it tonight because this is how you guys want to celebrate, right? Exactly. Yeah. Actually, Talking about forget. a boy <laughs> in separate rooms. We always, <laughs> we always forget our anniversary because it's so close to Christmas. What if we like did it the week before that? Is that too yeah. soon? Let's do no. what about deck 13 or deck 15? Yeah. Deck. Deck. Any day that week works for yeah, me. Yeah, any of those are fine. And it needs to be early. Uh, my oldest performance of the Nutcracker is at the end of the week, so it needs to be earlier in the week. Well, let's keep it Tuesday, December thirteenth is Evan's birthday, so happy birthday, Evan! And only Jason knows Evan. I miss Evan. Let me miss. That's Evan. your brother, right? Yeah. yeah. I was All right. Like that Evan was one of your kids and then you're <laughs> not like celebrate their birthday. I was like, what am I witnessing? Like, what is going on? This like unveiled so many like deep problems. Are we no gonna way. keep it to 8 30 or are we gonna try for earlier? We want to keep Jessica up until like I... two or three in the morning. Here's the thing. I'm in like the stage of pregnancy where I'm not sleeping, so anytime works. I I think we're just gonna keep it regular unless someone wants different. So six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty, nine thirty. We got all the spectrum. All right, that's it. Any final words from anybody? Jessica, how far along are you? Um, five months. What are, you, what are you having again? I'm having you know? a boy. You were here when I talked about it, right? Uh, yeah, we were we all here. Right. Gonna... I don't remember things. Yeah, we've slept since then. I just wanted to make sure that, <laughs> I, that you knew that this was. What's his boy. name? Do you have a name? We do have a name, but we're not. I, I am not releasing the name yet. Is it Bingley? <laughs> Nightly. Yes. Bingley's Nightly? great. It's Fitzwilliam. Fitzwilliam is good. Darcy. Both of our dads have the same name, so it's going to be our dad's names. So I was a reveal right there, even though we don't know your dad's names. <laughs> I mean, like, I think I'm friends with most of you guys on social media, so you could probably figure it out. But Carrie's met my dad. I had dinner with your Not dad, right? Can we all go out to dinner? Like at the yeah, break oven. Yep, something yeah. like that. And your mom? Kind of about that. And Steven and Craig, I think they were there. Probably. They're hey, reminiscing. there's no time for like, reminiscing about Jessica's dad. We got we're go. reminiscing, and next we're going to review all of the times <laughs> that Carrie and I watched 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow together. 
Did you guys watch it together? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I was there for like the phase that she was talking about, but we watched it. Yeah, I was 16. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched it a lot. We've watched all the things together. All right. Well, love you, Jason. Can't wait to see you. I just want everybody to know that it is like very. Like I've talked to other people about this, that if you like respect a group of friends that like everybody leaves hanging out with that group of friends feeling like they were an idiot. Like that's just like, (laughs) that's just like an experience that if you like your friends a lot, that's what you have to experience after hanging out with them. Well, thank you for the validation. (laughs) What does it say when I'm the smartest guy in the room? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. Jason's like, I feel like everyone else. So is Jason's dumb. canceled from the group. That's right. <laughs> well deserved. All right. I move that we adjourn this session of the movie club. All in favor, say aye. 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 Ayes have it. See you later. Nay. Nay. <laughs>